Bedo, welcome to Riot Act. Uh, this is episode 43 of the Alternative Music Podcast with me, Freddie Mercury, and him, Renfrey Deadman, aka Hello. Brian May. Do you want to be Brian May? Or yeah, I'll be Brian May. I'm quite happy John with Deacon's Brian May. the one you should want to be, really. Do you think so? Yeah, the one with, um, you know, <laughs> morals. That's true, actually. He's the most sensible one, and he he's is, the one yeah. who isn't um, flogging Freddie Mercury's or grave. I don't know if I should say that. <laughs> I saw Adam Lambert on Good Morning Britain this morning. You've got to, like Adam Lambert comes across quite well, I think. Yeah, like one of his songs. I mean, apparently he's brilliant live yeah. as well. Uh, what weren't we talking about on this podcast? We weren't, weren't we? On the movie special. Yeah, apparently we were. Adam Lambert's fantastic. So yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, then you pulled it back round, Winfrey. I'm not really Freddie Mercury, <laughs> by the way. Uh, I'm Stephen Hill. Uh, welcome to Right Act. Um, Imagine if you fooled anyone, though. Imagine know, if people were like, God, "Whoa, Freddie Mercury's got a podcast." <laughs> Um, on this week's show, we're going to be talking about new albums from Biffy Clyro, from Ramstein, from Morrissey, from Destrage, and from Petrol Girls. And in Trade Off, it's all about that inner city life from New York to London, the hold steady and collapsed lung together at last. <laughs> <laughs> already, <laughs> already, uh, I feel like I know what you think about at least one of those albums. Yeah. Um, okay, shout out Musicism. Go over to musicism.net if you want to be a budding singer, songwriter, uh, guitarist or producer. They produce every week brand new content for the, the musician to hone their skills. As I said, musicism.net. It's $9.99 a month if you want to sign up for it. They help us out in a myriad of ways over here on Riot Act. And we appreciate that. Um, and they will help you out as well. Like I say, $9.99. Or if you're a genuine regular listener to this podcast, you'll probably already know that you can get 25% off that meagre sum just by typing in R-I-O-T, oh. Riot, in capital letters in the checkout when you go and sign up. That was nice. It's a little Thank bit you. of Sesame Street almost. Yeah, it was. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I nearly was going to... Next week I'm going to do it. I'm going to go T-I-O-R or something like that. And oh, I've got to arrange it in, And it's a word. You've got to work out what it is. Imagine Stephen Hill guesting on Sesame Street. That would be an interesting... I fucking love that. That would be cool, wouldn't Me it? Me and Elmo. Actually, Elmo's a... The dude who played Elmo's a sex offender. Uh, so, is that true? Well, I think it might be true. He keeps getting things... So he keeps getting <laughs> cleared because they're like, oh, Elmo wouldn't do that. <laughs> and then another allegation comes out. <laughs> I mean, it's not for me to say. I don't know. But um, I don't think people are accusing Elmo, are they? They're accusing. Well, no. <laughs> but what they need to be doing is going, oh, he, he can't have done it if he controlled Elmo. <laughs> it's just a job, man. Well, it depends what he made Elmo do and yeah. behind the scenes. But we it? don't know. I mean, actually, that's complete. That could be slander and libelous in the extreme. Uh, sure. I'm not sure it, that that would stand up in a court of law. Yeah, let's hope it doesn't get to him. <laughs> let's hope Elmo doesn't listen to this podcast. Right, it's fucking right. blown my chance of being. I've blown my chance to be on Sesame Street already. Oh well, I I haven't. Can I be on Sesame Street, please? Anyone who works you on didn't Sesame really Street. stick up for Elmo enough. I don't think, mate. I don't think you're going to uh, get on that. Elmo's great. I'm a Cookie Monster fan. Because that guy, are, me and him, I feel like we are zen. Yeah. You know, I feel like we, we have the same kind of life goals, mm. eating lots of cookies yeah. and uh, same squiggly eyes. I, I used him. to look, work with a girl who looked just like Big Bird. Really? Yeah. It, it also, if you want to help us out with um, in financial ways and us to give you a little something back, barter, and I believe they call it in the financial but. sector, um, <laughs> go over to uh, Riot Act podcast.com that's our website and you can go on the merch there's a section for merch oh yeah all the different merch what we've got and also you can sign up to our patreon page 
if you've been listening for a while, you may know that we do something called Rioters Review at uh, patreon.com forward slash podcast, where if you pay us any amount of money, um, you get instant access to the albums that have been selected by our various patroners. Is that a thing? Patrons. Patreons. Sure. And um, and uh, we, we've done, what is it now, like 15 different podcasts? Something like that. On 15 different albums as selected by our patrons. Uh, I think there's one coming up this week on Caius's Welcome to Sky Valley. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so that'll be the next one. We had Blur's Magic Whip out um, last week. And uh, we've got low, we've got massive, massive fuck off list, which is going to get added to as time goes on. So if you want to do that, listen to the ones we've done about Man Street Preachers, Bonavera, Oasis, Type of Negative, Devin Townsend, Nick Cage. Don't feel obliged. Cave. Cave, yeah. I'd no, love Nick, to do one of Nick Cage. Cage. Can you imagine? Yes. The bees. Is it the bees? Is it the, yeah. the bees. Um, <laughs> Nick yeah. Cage. Wow. Yeah, Should we just do weird. a face-off special? Yeah. We. Oh my god. That that would be fucking brilliant. What's your favourite really Nick Cage? Up Sorry. Face-off because they should have had Nick Cage doing the mad character all the way through. He wasn't the mad one because he starts as the sort of crazy one, and then John Travolta has to do it. When you've seen Nick Cage being really like mad and evil, John Travolta for the majority of the film has to do that and it's not as good they, i think they mixed they mixed up the casting who would have thought that a more controversial opinion than my digging up freddie mercury's grave thing would have happened when you said they fucked up face off they didn't fuck up face off it's practically perfect no do you, you i understand think, what you're saying no they didn't that's it's the wrong way round. <laughs> if it had stayed the way it, it's the right way around when it starts but once they swap faces it's the wrong way around uh, you want more of Nick Cage being like, ah, you know, when he like when he grabs the girls, when he sings, when he's dressed as a priest, he's like, ah, in the choir. You want that all the way through. You don't just want that at the beginning, and the end, and then have to watch John Travolta desperately trying to claw his way up to that level of lunacy for the majority for the majority of the film. You don't want that. It's an acting masterclass, I think. Uh, by who? D- by everyone involved. <laughs> no, it isn't. No, no, it isn't. Uh, it's a good film, though. Fucking loopy, but it's great. I like it. Anyway, it's completely irrelevant. Um, speaking of crazy, I don't know if crazy is the right word. Certainly, incredibly eventful roller coaster week for Slipknot this week, isn't it? Mm. Um, I feel like I've maybe been a bit sort of flippant with what's going on with Slipknot, but we'll do it in a kind of chronological order. Uh, firstly, Corey Taylor came out and said that he's had double knee surgery. Um, so he's he's had double knee surgery, which you think would make just before you're about to announce that you've got this big reveal of when your album's out and there's a new song and there's a new mask and all that stuff, and you're going to be playing Jimmy Kimmel, which has all has sort of happened over the week. You you know that he's done that with fucked up knees. Is so double mad. knee surgery just surgery on both knees? Yes. Oh right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what he's had. Um, and then they announced the arrival of a new album called We Are Not Your Kind. Um, it's going to be out on the 9th of August with a new song called Unsainted, which you haven't heard. No. It's very good. Cool. I wasn't mad. Like, I thought the last one was pretty good. What was the last one called? Uh, um, the Devil in Me? Yeah. The No, that's surely not called that. Uh, All Out Life. Yeah. That'll be it. Cool. That'll be it. Um, I thought that was pretty good. I know a lot of people raved about it. I thought it was yeah. pretty good. We kind of felt it was very... Um... You keep talking about I inevitably have to clean up cat shit. <laughs> inevitably. If Bonjour is not saboteuring, saboteuring this show as well after last week's debacle, um, 
we kind of felt that it was very reminiscent of the first record, but like not quite as good. Yeah. So what are you saying on Untainted? Um, I really like it. It feels more like um, the kind of volume three, uh, more melodic stuff. It's got, it, it, Slipknot have always been able, I think, to write heavy songs with, sort of blockbuster skyscraper choruses when you think of like left foot from iowa onwards i think you know obviously wait and bleed was the big one on the first record although i don't actually rate wait and bleed that highly to go and think it's quite a good song but in comparison to the blueprint they took from that and how they improved it i think left behind left behind duality duality, um it's got a a bit of that about it i think and i think it's cool that uh, that that slipknot you know are writing songs of that ilk and they still sound i don't want to say cutting edge because i'm not sure that cutting edge is quite the right word but certainly to be able to sound anthemic and you know it will sound great in a massive field full of people but then at the same time um for it to be kind of genuinely heavy as well like it's got an aggressive bark from Corey. it's got some really like fucking big fat like metal no doubt about what genre that sits in it's a metal song cool. you know it's it really is and the video is cool as well oh, cool. Uh, which announced um you know what i say announced which kind of revealed the new masks mm-hmm. so they revealed the new masks. you've seen the new masks i have funny that that becomes like a thing that people go it's actually like to do with the music People sort of go, oh, well, I'm not sure about the new album because I don't like Sid Wilson's mask or whatever. Like, It's weird that yeah. people get that into their masks. I guess it's just become such a part of their identity. I mean, they do have new masks every album cycle at the very yeah. least. Oh, no, no, yeah, definitely every album cycle. Um, I have to admit, I'm not... I'm not a, I'm not a massive fan of the new masks. I don't think that's going to have any effect on the music whatsoever. But um, I don't even know what it is about them that I don't like. I just Mick Thompson's mask never changes. No, no, well, he can't never be asked. changes. He's too busy doing crazy guitar fretwork mm. stuff. Um, I, I mean, that's not very good to say. I don't know what I don't like about them. Mm, do my job properly. Um, I don't know. Maybe it, it feels like they've gone through so many different iterations now. And I feel like we've seen the best from their masks already. Do you know what I mean? I love the yeah. volume three one, like Corey's like one with the mouth like hanging loose and stuff yeah, like because that. That's the new Corey one just it's like a sort of blub pop like a puffer fish. Not a blob fish, the ugliest fish. Yes. It looks like that. I got confused. So the new member or the person who were unsure who that person is, I thought that was Corey's new mask. Right. So that's how, like, initially. And then I saw all these pictures with it close up saying, there's this new member in Slipknot and no, no one knows who it is. Do you know about that? Yeah. But it's Chris Fenn. I'm pretty sure they've taken the thing that he signed. Because I watched him on Jimmy Kimmel. So they're on Jimmy Kimmel. This is the other thing. A couple of, like, the day after that happened, they were on Jimmy Kimmel. And they did Unsainted and they did All Out Life. And they were really good. They actually were really good. I thought, you know, particularly again, Unsainted sounded fucking great and Corey sounded really, really good. And he did it, you know, you could tell he stood sort of stock still on the spot and just moved from his hips. You know, he just moved from his waist upward. So you could, I, I got the feeling that... Sorry, Corey or the Corey did, yeah. Right. Corey did. But then when they went and did, they went off and did, went up the steps to the, the drum kit, the two percussionists. And I was like, that's Chris Fenn. That's got to be, unless someone was deliberately trying to walk like Chris Fenn and move like Chris Fenn. Does Chris Fenn have a distinctive walk? I think he does a bit, yeah. 
Was he wanking his nose? He's not got a nose now, has he? No, I know. Are you? I mean, how? What, are you just saying it's Chris Fenn because he walks like Chris Fenn? He or do you have inside Look like knowledge? Chris Fenn, and they've taken down the thing saying that they kicked him out on their on their Facebook page. That that's all that stuff that it, there's a lawsuit and it's all been taken down. So I'm not. I mean, I'm saying it's Chris Fenn. It's got to be Chris Fenn. So that was a big storm in a teacup. Hmm. Yeah, I think I don't. You know, again, I haven't got any in, inside information, but I'd be I would be willing to bet a very great sum of money that I don't actually have on that being Chris Fenn. Five pounds. Five pounds. <laughs> I'll do five pounds. Uh, you I can't, can't five afford pounds. five pounds. Um, have there been any other sources that have said, that's Chris Fenn? Or has this just come from the mind of just, Stephen Hill? Yeah, just me, really. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, see how that pans out. Yeah. But then... Um, maybe it's Robert De Niro, like, doing Chris Fenn. Maybe, maybe it's, yeah. Or Joaquin Phoenix. He's just doing a crazy, another, like, I'm not there kind of thing, yeah. where he's just going method. He's too fat to be um, Rob, Joaquin Phoenix, whoever that guy is. He had a bit of a chunk. Sticking so they around. did. They did Jimmy Kimmel. And I thought they were very good, and I thought this is good. This is like a, um, you know, a, a, because obviously, point five, the grey chapter. It felt like there was a lot of infighting. They'd lost Joey just beforehand. Well, you know, a year or so beforehand, and uh, obviously, it's the first one since Paul Grey passed away. And yeah, we're kind of bleeding, blooding in two me- new members. And then you had this. The, the making of it was troubled, but then I'd say the making of the last three records at least were troubled. To be fair, well, I mean, you, you think that this uh, there's some sort of curse on Slipknot mm. at this point mm. because if you think you know losing Chris Fenn and no one really knowing where he is and then potentially it might be him coming back, if you're thinking that that's the most sort of heinous thing that's going to happen to Slipknot in the making of this record, um, very very tragically, a few days later, Sean Crayon announced. Uh, at the start of the week, that his daughter, 22-year-old daughter, Gabrielle, had passed away, mm. which right as the the machine for Slipknot is about to sort to of gear up. click into motion, must be just such an unbelievably traumatic... It's a traumatic thing to happen at any point in anyone's life. Of course, no one should yeah, ever yeah, have yeah. to go through something like that. And obviously, it goes without saying that, you know, we... um. We send all our kind of thoughts and, of course, uh, yeah. you know, condolences out to um, to, to Sean and the, the Slipknot crew. Um, it's a really, really horrible thing. Obviously, I don't. That's that's the only details I've even chosen to read about. It. I know people mm-hmm. like to speculate straight away. I'm not even vaguely interested in, in doing that. I just mm-hmm. think it's a really, really horrible thing. Um, but it does feel like there's always some sort of cloud that hang over that band, and there's something bad yeah it always seems to be happening to them and it's a ama- I, I honestly don't know how they can how, i don't know how they carry on sometimes no well i don't it, know how we've got this far into the world where there's still slipknot it feel it feels like it's been very close to many times breaking yeah. up many times um i suppose the the one consolation you can find from it i don't think you can find consolation in situations like that really but I suppose at least that sort of thing is going to fuel the kind of music they make, at the very least. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, but I mean, that's a, that's you know really neither here nor there where something like that's happened. So yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think I've said it before. I'm not sure if I have said it before, but I, I was once going to write um, 
I did an interview with Jeremy from Touche More and I was trying to write a piece which actually ended up kind of not happening um, about, you know, kind of inspired by talking to Winston from Parkway Drive about their last this album. Grief on the Road. Yeah. yeah, talking to Jeremy from Touche More, talking to, you know, Sam and Dan from Architects and musicians having to go out and tour on the road on the back of something as just heart-wrenchingly terrible as that. You've got to wonder what that will do to the psyche of a human being to be so far away from their home, so far away from their family, in in such a kind of tumultuous mental condition. Touring is an incredibly unstable kind of uh, place to be anyway. I mean, Mm. some people thrive on it, um, but when you're going through an absolute tragedy, the idea of being uprooted from home for... In Slipknot's case, it's going to be. Yes. I'm, sh- I'm sure. I'm sure there is a. Tu- you know, it's not been announced yet, but I'm sure there is a touring schedule which is go is going for at least a year. Um, with this album, I would say more than that. To be fair, probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure um, they know where they're going to be in 2021. Yeah, probably. Um, and I mean, I suppose the two hours you're on stage can act as a form of catharsis but the 22 hours you're off it is the difficult thing and the scary thing and and being uprooted and being in that kind of touring malaise while something is happening i mean you know there's a lot of hurry up hurrying up and waiting on tour a lot of the time um and that's when you're often left with your with your thoughts and so on and so forth. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I wouldn't envy anyone in that situation, whether they were at home or not. But I, I don't, yeah, I can't even imagine what that must be like. Certainly, something to think about because it's it's something that I've noticed bands talking about more and more um, over the last few years, and it's never really been something I've thought about before. Um, but yeah. you know, obviously that is going to play it massively affect them. So yeah, um, really sad, but Slipknot. Um, We'll be back very soon, and obviously, we'll yeah. be talking to you about the album when it comes out, and probably talking about them at download as well beforehand. Oh, well, yeah. I will anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'll be um, in Amsterdam. Going to see Tool. Yeah, not the worst weekend ever, is it? No, good. Um, so anyway, let's move on. Let's because we've got quite a lot. We've got five albums to review, but we start this week with surprise. Um, the eighth album from Biffy Clyro, which yeah. kind of came from nowhere. Yes, it was literally announced the day before. Mm. Um, there was talk that they were going to be doing the soundtrack to a film. The uh, the film, like the, the album, is called Balance Not Symmetry. Um, Simon Neal is a screenwriter alongside someone called Jamie Adams, who directed the film. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, from nowhere, Biffy Clyro drop the soundtrack to this film although it really doesn't sound like what i would call a traditional ost or soundtrack well, this all, is does it this is what i was going to say from the off i mean it's a film that neither of us have seen no it's not um, out it's not out until july 26 i believe right my head. and and that that worried me a little bit when i saw that that it came out because i thought you know often you do need to see the film for it to make sense mm-hmm. um we've only really spoken about a couple of soundtracks on here and it's it's weird that the two of them 
are kind of the massive polar opposites of each other. The Batman print soundtrack, you really don't need to watch Batman. No. To, to no. enjoy that record. Um, but the Suspiria one. Yeah, the Tom the York, York Suspiria, Suspiria one. Probably out of context. Made very little sense. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Although, um, ironically, the instrumental to Navy Blue, the, the instrumental song on, on this album, the Biffy Clover one, Navy Blue, does have more than a hint of real Radiohead about it, doesn't it? There's yeah. There's an instrumental bit about it, and that's that. got a massive Radiohead influence on it. But anyway... Um, this is, I would have to say, this is a Biffy album. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think you do need to have seen the film. I don't feel like I need to, see, to have seen the film to Not at all. And actually, similarly to the National album from last week, um, the songs influenced the film, mm. and then the film influenced the songs. So, you know, with Simon Neal being one of the screenwriters of the film... There's, there's, it's obviously something they've been involved with for a long time, and they did they did announce they were doing a soundtrack, but obviously that's not kind of seen as the most exciting thing. It's usually just seen as a not a stopgap, but kind of just a like, oh, that's the thing that they're doing yeah. on the side. And I wonder if thing. people maybe thought it was going to be Simon Neil soundtrack or Simon Neil kind of um, not screenplay because he did the screenplay, the the, the score rather than yes, soundtrack. exactly. This exactly. is very much a soundtrack of Biffy Clyro songs, which I imagine will go alongside the the movie um in kind of you know it's it's not going to be in the background i don't feel like this can be put on in the background well this is the weird thing i mean obviously we can't comment on how it acts as a soundtrack but almost everything on this album feels like it would be too distracting um yeah. to be a soundtrack I, I mean this this as far as i am concerned after my first listen this is biffy clyro's eighth studio album me too like, i feel exactly like that yeah um and um i might just spunk it now not only that i actually think it's the best album they've released i think it's the best album they've released since puzzle yeah Fucking hell. now most people are gonna go uh only revolutions mate i'm not i i'm not gonna say i'm not a big fan of only revolutions because it's clearly a great record mm. but there's there are two there are two ostensibly there are two Biffy Clyro fans, right? Two types. Yep. There's those who adore the first three records uh, where they were far more angular and obtuse and strange mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and shouty. Um, there's a bit of that in this, isn't there? And there is a bit of that in this. And there's people who kind of got on board from puzzle onwards i would say mm. which is kind of like the turning point you know there's still that angular obtuse weirdness <laughs> in it a little bit but mm. they started to kind of dial the angular weird stuff back well i think rather than dial it back because i you know i i'm not entirely convinced that they completely ever dialed it back i think they just found ways to make it work within pop songs i i would argue as a as a massive fan of those first three records i would say i would say it never disappeared but i would say it was dialed back i i I, what i adore about biffy clyro is they are a arena act in this country at least in the uk um who are for for bands on their level they are still a weird angular odd band yeah like really like when you put them up against their fellow arena peers of course and i love i love that about them 
I think if anyone turned to me and said, you know, only revolutions is as weird as Infinity Land, I'd be like, it's not, is it? <laughs> like, no, that's by quite true. a long way. No. Um, and I, you know, I'm not. I'd like to make it super clear that I am not uh, dismissing Biffy's latter career at all. I actually, um, I'm very fond of everything they've done up to a point. Um, but undeniably as someone who you know i think biffy clara used to tour all the time uh like i don't know if you ever saw them back in the day when they had those three albums out on banquet but like i remember once they released a single questions and answers single from the vertigo bliss and it was like a 30 date uk tour for a single and i was like most bands wouldn't play a 30 date uk tour for an album release let alone oh this is just an additional single I reckon, I mean, I reckon between sort of 2002 or three and 2007, I probably saw Biffy 20 times because every time they came to town, I would just see them because they never disappointed me. And I fucking loved <clears throat> those records like so much. Mm. Um, and I still, I still think the latter stuff is really, really good. And I'm, I'm so pleased that that, kind of band is making those kind of waves but i do sometimes miss the really angular obtuse slightly screamier stuff and yet this is interesting renfrey because i love puzzle and puzzle was the first time that as someone who you know i've never been shy about liking the kind of stuff they were doing on the first three albums i had infinity land i thought this is pretty good but well, I know, really good actually. It is good, but then getting puzzled, I was like, "No, this is, this is excellent." And I thought, you know, only Res- ever Revol- uh, only revolutions I really, really liked as well. Yeah. Um, but puzzles kind of the sweet spot for me. Puzzles are wonderful records. Mm. Um, mm. I would never deny that. Mm. It's brilliant. And I didn't really care that much for the last record. That's probably the first one that I've listened to that I thought it's not great ellipsis is is my least favorite personally although even ellipsis has brilliant moments and brilliant songs um but as a record as a whole it's my least favorite yeah Yeah. um so it's good that we're both coming at it from slight admiration but slightly different angles yeah as soon as i press play on this and the first two the first two tracks are almost this album in a microcosm. Right? Yeah, 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 I agree. Because you get the title track and then you get all singing, all dancing. And it's as wild as, while sounding very, very poppy and modern and contemporary and pretty palatable for most people who like rock music. Um, I mean, the first song is as heavy as anything they've done for quite a long time. I'd say since puzzle at least debatably even since infinity land yeah although having said that actually mm, this is so this is a really experimental side of biffy clyro a, a lot of what is on this record yeah. and there are actually um b-sides records that they release alongside every album they've done they've done it since puzzle i think the mm, puzzle one's called missing pieces uh only revolutions was lonely revolutions and opposites was called similarities um and it feels like a lot of that weird i keep saying obtuse but i just feel like it's the best word for biffy claro material would find its way onto those b-sides records and i mm-hmm. you know being the, the annoying 
sad sack that I am. I, I would often prefer the B sides records to the to the A sides ones. Yeah. Um, but I think I mean the way this album opens with I mean Simon Neal just screaming, "I don't want to be defeated. I just want to fuck." Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, oh my god, it's is old Simon Neal, and like, <laughs> yeah. um, I I I I. I cannot tell you how excited i was i was just like i, I was like a little boy um it just is hearing really that brilliant yeah it's yeah. really brilliant and then most bands at that point would that's a shock but for them to go so far in the other direction um where you've got you know the Z- i mean we mentioned the 1975 a lot but you know they are the big big like band that it seems like everyone is following at the moment and they're the mainstream guitar band that are the kind of lit, you know, they've just won the best band at the Brits and stuff. They are considered to be the kind of leaders, the cool thing. Um, that zeitgeisty 80s pop with kind of slinky neon guitar, do you know what I mean? They do that on the second song, mm-hmm. you know, and it, mm-hmm. and it does sound, uh, you know, I do I hate like I'm bringing up the 1975, let's say modern, let's say like the last Arcade Fire album is probably mm-hmm. just as good a shout. Um, but it still sounds like Biffy. Because Simon Neil, and it ends with that like dadank dank that that kind of weird dadank dadank dank that weird drum and guitar part following each other, which none of those bands do. When it's kind of quintessentially Biffy, and it, I don't think any of those bands would even try that. I, I think what you're referring to is the accelerando. Uh, oh, right, okay. I looked up the musical term. <laughs> uh, it is just simply when a band uh, accelerate the tempo. Um, and it's used very rarely actually the only other example i could think of and there will be loads of other examples and by all means tweet us but like uh gun by soundgarden like speeds up on the second verse and like Mm. but that's those are the kind of tricks that biffy clyro will employ that no the other bands just tend not to especially bands of their size and that's what I fucking love about them. Mm. But that's the great thing about this record. Within the first five minutes, they've just totally put you off kilter because you're like, okay, we've got this song which sounds like Vertigo of Bliss era Biffy, basically, and even has a reference to Vertigo of Bliss and the Burn the Action line. Um, and then uh, which goes all the way to this song. I mean, that all singing, all dancing could have been on Ellipsis, I think. Yeah. You know, could have fit quite comfortably onto Ellipsis. Yeah. Um, and yeah, already it's just like, whoa, we're running the whole gamut, 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 gamut of what this band do yeah. within about five minutes. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that, how long have they been together now? Like 1998, something like that? You're looking at 21, 21 years of being a band? Something like something that. Like. I think they f- actually formed mid-90s, but but yeah, they, they their yeah. first their first record was like 2002. Yeah. Um. And to still sort of go, oh, I've never heard them do that before. Exactly. That's really fucking cool. Exactly. I mean, there's a bit, a kind of the flying monkeys, like Oompa Loompa chance in the back of a very otherwise incredibly radio friendly song called Different Kind of Love. Yes. Which is a, like a very sort of, like I say, you can imagine would be getting played at Radio 1 Big Weekend or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yet they've got, oh, oh like in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mad to do that, to, to think, well, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. We're but, playing 
we're headlining Reading. Yeah, I know. We're going to add that in. It's fucking great. But that's that's what I love about them. And like, there's a lot of there's quite a lot of piano on this record. There is. And Biffy haven't played with piano all that much Mm. over their career, really. Um, And like, I mean, it then goes into the song Sunrise, which is, I mean, it's got this really weird discordant sort of bass driven funky undertone intro before turning into a totally different song yeah pure noise like yeah yeah, yeah pure and this noise rock. huge biffy chorus mm. and then and then there's a bit where it turns a, a little bit red hot chili peppers but not in a bad way yeah um around three and a half min- minutes in and it's really baffling and unexpected but this one song sunrise it's around the five minute mark a uh, five minutes long and progresses through so many different um places you know the, the wanky way to say it would be it's a journey of a song but it does it so cohesively and you i think that is something that i admire about simon neil's writing so much and actually it's something that happens quite a bit on this record but it's something i kind of missed from not to say that they don't do that these days but they did it a lot more when you think of a song like wave upon wave upon wave or there's no such thing as a jaggy snake or something like that from the older albums the journey that those songs would go on you know from minute one to minute five you're like how the fuck did we get here and yet it's been done in such a cohesive manner i think that's where a massive part of the genius of simon neil songwriting lies definitely it's funny you say about red chili peppers because i had nana cherry it's got a synth bit in the back of sunrise towards the end which is like absolute eighties, like eighties disco. Yeah, but it's noise. It's it's like noise. It's like shellac or something. Yeah, yeah. And then Nana Cherry in the same song. Yeah, it's like I think getting getting that when they do the really odd stuff. There's a song called Animal Road on it as well, which I think is odd as fuck, mm. like super odd. Um, it's cool to remember. It's cool to listen to this and realize how big this band are. And then also consider what it is they do with music. Like that, this is a soundtrack to a film that we haven't even heard that Simon Neil has screen has written a screenplay for. And it, it just feels like they've gone, we can do anything with this. Pretty you know, much. For the f- and I'm not saying that, you know, they've become... Every band has a bit of a formula. I mean, we're about to talk about Ramstein. I think this will probably mm-hmm. come up again mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. because Ramstein have a very, very unique sound. Um, yep. Probably even more so than Biffy, even though Biffy definitely have it as well. Yep. But, you know, the, there's there's bands that have, that take ages to hone and develop a sound. And then you can get kind of two decades into their career. Because they've been chipping away at getting these things right and changing them and and you know after a little while i mean i remember when when Ten Thousand days came out a lot of my friends went out it just sounds like tall and it's like yeah but that, no one else sounds like that yeah like, you can't expect exactly. them to kind of change completely you know the dna of what they are yeah is is so so strong and so well realized and so unique from everyone else yeah. that you can't really beat them up for just going like, oh, we've invented, you know, we found this really, really unique sound and it does sound like that. Biffy certainly, I think, of the last couple of records, certainly the last record, have, I wouldn't say, I think it would be too harsh to say they've fallen into a formula on the last record. Yes. But certainly they are so recognizable as Biffy Clyro that the shock of 
you say ellipsis is not a bad record no it just didn't shock and surprise me there's a bit mm. like that one of the songs that had a kind of black metal blast, blast beat, beat yeah, on it which was four or yeah, yeah which yeah, was, yeah. was really cool but there wasn't a lot where i went i fucking know it sounds like biffy but with with this oh it sounds like yeah. biffy but with that yeah. when you think of how big they are and how this is obviously just giving them carte blanche to go fuck it we're gonna do whatever it is that serves the film almost i mean this again we haven't seen the film so it's quite hard to yeah. know if it's right or not but when i think like there's a song called Fever Dream on it. And when that gets heavy, mm-hmm. it's like a it's like a doom band. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of electronics on that mm. song as well. And I think they really started doing electronic uh delving into that kind of electric electronic world with songs on opposites. There are actually a couple that were produced by the film composer Clint Mansell. Mm. So I think it's the fog, different people, and skylight from that opposites record. But like it, it it has this almost like electronic pulse that song which just yeah. becomes and there's one moment where it does just become like weird discordant noise and then goes away like for about you know seven seconds then mm. goes away and it's like who what other bands who play arenas are doing that but it's brilliant like and i don't i've not really heard biffy do a fever dreams before I've not really heard them do... No, I was going to say, that's exactly what I've written. I've never really heard them do that before. Yeah, I've not heard them do a Gates of Heaven before, which is mm. this really weird kind of jaunty 6-8 going into 4-4 four, four tune. I've never really hear them, heard them do, like, Colour Wheel. Um, and there's so there's so many of these amazing ideas. I think, I think this album is kind of White Album-esque in its idiosync- idiosyncrasy and eccentricities. Mm. Um, and that some of that you know a band with that creative freedom is exactly what we need and what we should cherish and especially when they have a platform as large as they do you know um and over 65 minutes they go to so many different places and you know 65 minutes quite long but because they go to so many you know i if i'm being super honest and super harsh i'd say it's a a tad too long but but it's a little bit too long but I'm, I'm, I'm mean by about five minutes. Like yeah, it I goes to so many different places. There's a couple of instrumental breaks in it, which I don't maybe make sense. Again, I was going to ask you, like, how much do you feel like the the because I listened to that and I thought 65 minutes is 17 tracks, probably is a little bit too long. There's a couple of instrumental breaks in it that take up about kind of six minutes of the album. Yeah. I'm not sure you necessarily need them, although as I mentioned one of them earlier on sounds like a really cool radio sort of held the theme. I, radio I, I like the way they break up the flow. Uh there's obviously a theme there as well. They're all colours. One's mm. pink, one's yellow, one's navy blue, I think. Mm. I, 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 but those, those are the only bits that make me go, oh, this is a, uh, the score to a film. Yeah, well, those are the those are the bits which sound most soundtracky. Yeah. Um, but I, and and to be honest, if if they had released an album of of those instrumental pack, you know, not sixty five minutes long, but if they'd released that as a score, that would have been you know vaguely interesting not as interesting as what we've got no but you know i would i would have dug that i would have been like oh this is cool so this is what i was going to ask you where do you reckon it's come from is this the film is this them watching the film and serving the film and going we're not going to be biffy clyro we're going to be whatever band that will serve this film because there's no doubt about it this is more adventurous than the previous album certainly um or do you think they've just gone 
I think maybe we didn't play to our full potential last time. Let's go. Let's try and recapture what we used to, you know, what we let's try and recapture that vibe of the kind of experimentation of our early material. I, I don't know. I I'm, think it's not. I don't think. I don't think they have purposefully gone. Let's go back to what we did before. It doesn't feel like that. No. Even though, even though no, no, there no, are not, songs not which music, feel like but that. Just like I, you know, certainly the last record felt like it had. It was much more of a, like I say, you. There weren't many surprises on it. Whereas yeah. it's got a lot of surprises. This has got it. loads. Of surprises. And I, I'm wondering if they're going to treat this as like a nice escape. And then the ninth Biffy Clyro album will be back to. That's what I'm wondering. Do you know what? I, I, honestly, I hope not. Well, um, I hope not. But... My theory is because it, it, my theory is it's to do with there being less pressure because this is. um because it's a soundtrack album and like it feels like balance not symmetry's status as a soundtrack as opposed to what i'm going to call a quote-unquote proper album um has freed them up to experiment and throw in more avant-garde elements whilst retaining those huge grandiose choruses um and epic emotional sentiments that have endeared them to millions and i think as a result not only has it produced their best album in at least 10 years, I would argue 12, um, but it's it's just kind of opened them. It's made them careless almost. Mm. But as a result, but the results are better, I feel. Mm. Um, sometimes pressure is a good thing and brings out creative stuff in you and sometimes it stifles you. And... I, I would never turn around and go opposites or ellipsis sound like a band stifled because there that is far too much creative stuff going on on both of those records to say that. But it's the safest, both of those records, I mean, I, this sounds crazy to say this, bearing in mind opposites is a double album as well. Yeah. But I do actually feel that opposites and ellipsis are the safest that that band have ever been which i think is testament to them definitely uh to be honest because mm. neither would be considered safe records no. particularly particularly uh, well, it's, it's certainly within the you know their peers yes absolutely but i, th I actually think for them th both opposites and ellipses are relatively safe records mm. and this doesn't feel like a safe record which is why absolutely it's not. so much more exciting yeah, than really what is. they've done for a long long time whatever the reason for it happening um this was quite a surprise i really did yeah. think i might come in and be like you know it's a load of kind of uh, ambient yeah. biffy clyro songs that are gonna suit the mood of a film that we haven't seen yet but this is a definitely just a biffy clyro album you won't you if you never want to watch the film i don't think it'll make a blind bit of difference nope. and b um a, a biffy clyro you know fucking with their own formula which is fantastic i yeah i i really love this record mm, and it's very very good indeed i um i'm so happy to say that i i i've liked everything they've done in the last 10 to 12 years but i haven't loved a biffy record since puzzle and it's so nice to love a biffy record again good well i'm glad you love it yeah yeah good well anyway balance not symmetry is out right now surprise i'm sure you've already listened to it if you're a fan but um you know we wanted to have our take on it and there it is 
You look delighted with that, Renfrew. I'm so, I'm, I'm, I, I really like that record. Good. <laughs> it's out now. Right. Um, it doesn't get much smaller as we move on. Um, Rammstein by Rammstein came out on the same day. This is the seventh Rammstein album, the first Rammstein album in a decade, nearly, because um, Libris rather dark came out in 2009, but it came out in September in 2009, so it's not quite a oh, decade. pedantic, but very good. <laughs> Had to be pedantic. Um, <laughs> now, um, this is the kind of the epitome of a fucking big deal. <laughs> yes. I can't think of another album coming out this year that's more anticipated. <gasps> oh, apart from one. Um, <laughs> Although some people, you know what? I've spoken to some people and some people are looking forward to this more than that. I bet they are. Yeah, I bet they are. I mean, it's, you know, it's a year where we don't get to albums very much. We don't get tall albums hardly ever. We don't get Ramstein albums very much. No. So... You know, it's um, shaping up to be a big, big, big old year. Yeah. And this is the first absolute monster release that we've had. I think maybe Biffy Clyro, not sorry, Biffy Clyro, um, in, in metal stroke, the world, the formerly world of metal, Bring Me the Horizon might be considered, you know, yeah, going towards trying to get to that era. But Rammstein feels more like an event, though, yeah, because they've certainly. had time. Yeah. I mean, God. The last, what album would bring me on when Rammstein last released a record? Um, 2009. 2009. There was a hell? No, no, no. Suicide Season. Yeah. Well, there yeah. you go. So bring me have released three, four records. One, two, three, four, five. Fucking hell. Yeah. Five records since. <laughs> Fucking hell. That's mental. So yeah. So it's never going to feel like as much of an event, is it? Mm, you know, no, so, no yeah. it's not. Um, but anyway, uh, we, uh, we didn't. So anyway, let's start. Before we've not really spoken about Ramstein at all. No. We should have spoken about the video for Deutschland when it dropped. Yes. We didn't do that, um, even though we both did sit there and watch it in in awe. Yes, I have to say in yes. awe of that. But what a really, really brilliant video! And it's something that you, before we started, you said everything that Ramstein do feeds into what Ramstein are. I think we sort of touched on it with Slipknot on the masks earlier, but I think it may be even more so with Ramstein. Everything feels. Super controlled, super important, really thought out. I agree. I actually think that I, I I was quite late coming to Rammstein, really, because for such a long time... The UK in general. Was. The UK in general were, but even, I mean, it was after Rice Rice came out oh, right, be okay. before oh, I really? really got into Rammstein. Like, I always admired them and liked them when I saw the Sonne video and thought it was fucking incredible and all this kind of thing. But I was, uh, you know, I've always been very kind of like, oh, the music has to do the talking, blah, blah, blah. And to a degree, I'm still like that. But with Rammstein, it does feel like that you really do. I mean, to get the most out of it, you really need to take the package as a whole, like everything, mm. Mm. whether it's to do with the live show or the videos that they put out or, you know, <laughs> releasing a box set with a bunch of dildos, whatever it is. Um and I, I think, to be honest... It's meticulous. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's so... It's planned down to an absolute T. Like, yeah. um, and when you look at it in that respect, it they're a far more interesting band than one might imagine from just listening to their albums. Actually, having said that, though, I think their music has a lot of layers which are far more interesting than people might assume on, you know especially uh people who don't speak german mm -hmm. um i think their music has a lot a lot more emotional impact 
than people might think and you know some... well, it's certainly it's it's stylized uh-huh um i think there is there's a level of irony about what Ramstein do now i can't under, always understand exactly what they're saying um but when you see them and i think you can tell in the delivery uh that they are fully aware of often the kind of the ridiculousness of the world that surrounds them oh definitely yeah yeah and they're the, they're they're like the kind of smartest people in the room yes. who are playing you know i think people who take ramstein face on at face value literally will often go what a stupid band like, i know but, you know, there's guys i work with who you know who you're into not into the sort of things that we would normally that we're into but but think ramstein are ridiculous and awful and they're like, awful listen to them they're stupid they're all and it's like they are <laughs> so far away from being stupid yeah you know it's uh, that deutschland video just to kind of go back to it quickly i mean was essentially the history of germany mm -hmm. um done in 20 minutes and every time you watched it you could pick out something else. Every frame had a reference to something. And you could pour over, you know, hours and hours of history books and, you know, Wikipedia entries about all manner of people and historical figures and moments and things that happened in Germany. I spent uh, an afternoon once trying to work out what everything meant in mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get... I got about a, about a quarter of the way through. Yeah. And I was like... I'd, like there's still stuff that you know uh, that I've, I'm not getting, but you you just know that it's all there. Um, on Deutschland, really quickly, as I know we're still kind of talking about yeah. Ramstein, but the, but the the music that as well, it kind of the, the song. I thought the song was great in the kind of the context of the video. It became slightly incidental it, because the video yeah. was so great. The music did become. I mean, that I think that's maybe one of the problems is the music often becomes slightly incidental when you are faced with so many other things that is yeah. one of the criticisms of Ramstein. Um I've spoken a lot about Childish Gambino's This Is America yes. and how you know you listen to that song without the video and it's it's not the the impact it completely dulls. Totally the opposite. As soon as I put this I was like oh yeah Deutschland I've heard this. Hearing it without the video to distract you from it I was like this is a fucking great song. It I, it's certainly grown on me within the context of the album. Mm. Um, when I saw the track listing and I saw that the two singles they released beforehand, Deutschland and Radio, Radio. or Radio, Radio. Um, were first and second, I was like, oh, I wonder if, how that's going to uh, affect the, the, you know, the track listing of the album. But actually, it works quite well. Having said that, I think Deutschland and Radio, Radio, Radio <laughs> um, are... Both very good songs, but I, they're both some of the least interesting material on this record from the, my money. Well, so you, so let's let's go. We go back a little bit because you said you took you a while to get into Ramstein. You've always gone, you know, the music has to do it. I I have two Ramstein albums. Like I, I do really like Ramstein. I got Senshirt when it came <gasps> out in the nineties. I got Mutter as well. I think both of those albums are brilliant. I've not been um crazy about an entire body of Ramstein's work mm -hmm. yeah. since those two records. I have three of their albums. Right. Okay. Mutter, Rice Rice and Liebes for Aladda. I mean I've got everything, but I only really genuinely kind of as full albums 
mm-hmm. love two of them. The singles are amazing. The videos are amazing. Mm-hmm. There are sporadic tracks all over all of those albums that are fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. But like Libris Raladar, for example, I don't think it's a particularly great album. Um, so mm. uh, I was, you know, coming into this thinking, it's been a while since Ramstein released an album. We kind of know what it's going to sound like because it's going to have undoubtedly have all the hallmarks of what make Ramstein Ramstein. Deutschland came out and you're like, yeah, you know, great video. Um, but I did wonder, well, if that's what they're picking for the single, it is quite a typically Ramstein piece of work. I think there's um, there's a song like Tattoo as well, which is really, it's got an absolutely, um, you know, big clunker of a riff, like proper, like clunky, mm-hmm. Teutonic stomp riff. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. classic Ramstein. Yeah. Like you, you, you love it and it's, you know, this is great. Yeah. It sounds like Ramstein. But it does just sound like Ramstein. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I wondered if this album would have anything else, if there'd been any level of progression, if there was anything else that um, that lurked beneath or away from that, or if it was just going to be 12 more songs that sounded like Ramstein. Well, especially considering uh, there were interviews with uh, Richard, Richard mm. saying that they'd done th- uh, two years ago that, almost 35 songs were complete for this album. So I assume two thirds of material is on the cutting room floor. So yeah, exactly. I I have to admit the first time I heard this record in full, and this is, you know, I'd like to profess preface this by saying this is more down to it being 10 years. We both interviewed them a couple of years ago and, you know, I'm sure both tried to get stuff out about the new record and stuff. And even then, they were like talking about how they had these grand ideas and stuff, but they weren't sure when it was going to come out and all that kind of thing. I think my initial listen, I was a bit like, is that it? Um, because a lot of it is just typical Ramstein. Not that that's a bad thing nope. per se. Um, and obviously, you know, it's uh, an untitled record or a self-titled record, you know, quite often, um, when bands do that, they're trying to make a statement of like, this is who we are. Um, And I do feel like this would be a really good record to give to someone if you were like, if they were like, well, what does Rammstein sound like? Yeah. I think this would be probably the perfect one to give them. Yeah. Um, It is the most quintessentially Rammstein record. Uh, However, for me, it is at its best when it goes slightly off Kilson, slightly off the Ramstein formula. And that's the key to it, I think. Yeah. Is that it does do that. It I does. Need, I felt like <clears throat> I needed in them to do that. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have found this a very average record if we just got 11, atypical, uh, 11 typical Ramstein songs. Yeah. There are... It, do you know what? It's the middle. It's it the middle. middle. Mm-hmm. Um it's for me it starts with sex yeah always starts with sex doesn't it? everything starts with sex <laughs> uh sex um uh bonjour is literally on my notes she, so she, like she don't give a fuck mate. she don't give um, a fuck about you track six yeah. which is definitely my favorite i would be able to uh, tell you with the name of it which is doll means doll yeah um i think that song is that should that's for me, that's a centerpiece of the record. Yeah, 100%. Um, I was going to say, I mean, for me, it starts with Outlander, actually, which I think has a okay. really cool guitar tone 
uh, Ra- well, no, sorry, Ramstein themselves have a really cool guitar tone, and I think um, that <laughs> that mix. Bonjour, Renfrey. Oh, enough. she's actually scratching just, me. M- just, just get, just stri- Oi, get off. Come on. Yeah, Auslander is is really good. It's got a kind of loungy, lausch slink to it. That song, which yes. is not necessarily what you would associate with Ramstein, and then. Um, you know, uh, that kind of rolling drum part on sex, which almost sounds like a kind of 1950s, uh, like cabaret, well, kind of, no, not 1950s, like a kind of 1920s. You're right, you've been scratched. Yeah, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> like a kind of 1920s Weimar, you know, it sounds like it's very much influenced by that cabaret, um, German sort of cabaret tradition thing. And, um, but yeah, but and then it goes well, into a li- literally cabaret, yeah. as in the yeah. musical cabaret. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's reminiscent of that. Yeah, 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 for sure. And then Papa, it's a really odd song. Do you know what that song is about? I do not know. Oh, right. Um, well, as we said, it translates as doll. Mm-hmm. Revolver said this about this song. The grueling first person story of a young child whose older sister works as a prostitute in the very next room whilst our poor protagonist takes my medicine, sits on a bed and grips a doll and listens to Sister Scream. Fucking hell, wow. Um, so the lyrics kind of translate as when sister has to go to work, she locks me in the room has given me a doll so that I'm not alone. When sister needs to go to work, she does not go by train. Her place of work is not that far away. It's the room next door. Cool. That's that's sinister as fuck. It's. Do you know what? It gets worse. And actually, I'm not. I mean, I won't go through the whole thing. I, well, actually, I'm going to do a bit more. They come and they go, and sometimes there are two. The late, but the late birds sing, and the sister screams. Ooh. I mean, and if you've heard the song, which again, presumably if you're a fan and if you've been waiting, you know, 10 years for this, you're not going to wait another five days to wait to hear what we're going to say about it. So presumably if you want to hear it and you're a fan of Ramstein, you've heard it and you know what this song sounds like, that will probably have chilled your blood a little bit. Well, this is the thing. I mean, there's way more to it. I don't want to spoil all of it because you can't. Revolver do a really good um, article about going into um, what, what it's about. But Till's performance on the song is so... incredible and manic yeah um furious manic like well it begins very soft and delicate yeah because he's playing a character you know Mm. he's playing it's it's a little girl in my head um the sex is never actually um uh, established but a a little person a child you know Mm. uh it's very soft and delicate and then there's a part where he becomes very sinister and borderline screaming not quite till never really screams but he is that kind of heavy breathing and that kind mm. of very distressed like um he, st- he just sounds distressed yes do you know um, what i mean and, and the other thing which now i know within that context as well i've never heard ramstein this is one of the things because ramstein is so much about thick you know either kind of very sort of these almost jaunty keyboard lines and these massive <laughs> Teutonic <laughs> Yeah, these massive yeah. Teutonic guitar riffs. Just hearing drums and till yes. is was one was really odd. Yes. And to put it within that context to go, that's all she's hearing. Yeah. Bang, bang, yeah. bang. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well mate, when that's when he goes manic, he is saying, and then I tear off the doll's head, then I tear off the doll's head. Yes, I bite off the doll's neck. 
I am not doing well. I tear off the doll's head. Yes, I tear off the doll's head. And then I bite off the doll's necks. I'm not feeling well. No. Um, and there's even more to it. I won't spoil any more. But, mm. if people were, but I think this is exactly what I mean when, when you know, I mistakenly kind of like went, oh, it's just music and like occasionally they talk about pussy and stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, actually, if you go into, you know, the, like Mind Tile from uh, uh, Rice Rice mm. is about that guy on the internet who I think yeah. over eBay. Cannibal. Uh, uh, yeah, like was like, I, I i i want some oh what was didn't it? he get he wanted someone to eat him he wanted someone to eat him yeah 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 and you know the the, the there's some really disturbing sinister stuff if you if you go into what ramstein do and that song is by far the most disturbing thing on this record yeah um i think it's by far the best thing on this record as well definitely um, it's it's the it's the the thing that you can't help but think about once the record is finished. Oh, definitely. You yeah. Know? And there's, it's followed up with, um, Was Ich Lieber, which is a fairly, again, one of the ones that is fairly Rams, not really Ramstein by numbers. I really it, like that song. Yeah. It's got a, it sounds like Nights Closer by Nights Now, doesn't it? It, it begins, it yeah, really, with that same really does. kind of beat. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, also one, I can't remember which one it is, but there's one that's, that's got the same guitar part as, um, it sounds like personal Jesus. And that might be, ah. might be um, Diamond, Diamant. Yeah. Is it Diamond? It's got the same sort of guitar um, tone. It almost sounds like a kind of industrialized country, like a kind of space cowboy. Diamond is the really chilled, almost acoustic one. It's only a couple of minutes long. Oh, right. Okay. It'll be the one after that then. Ve- uh, Vi- 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 Veg. Is that it? Yeah. Which means far that. away. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with sounding a bit like Night Snails and sound a bit like Depeche Mode when you're an industrial band. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's it's uh, it's good. This, yeah, I, I I really like it. I think it is a really solid Ramstein record. Um, and I I think that's fine. Like mm. I said initially, tad disappointed but actually the more i've listened to it the more i've been well at the end of the day they've delivered a really decent solid ramstein album i'm not a hundred percent sure where it ranks in my favorite ramstein records i think it's better than um rosenrot and i think it's better than um Liberus Raladar, definitely quite better than both of them. I think I'd probably agree. Definitely better than Rosenrot. I, I quite like Liebes for Alidar, actually. Okay. Um, I think it might even be better than. I actually do. No, no, fuck it. I do. I think it's better than Riser Riser as well. I think it's the best thing they've done since Mutter, personally. Which which is high praise indeed, I yeah. think. Um, I really like Riser Riser. Um, it certainly feels more kind of cohesive than Liebes for Alidar. I think the reason why a lot of people didn't latch onto that record is that felt a little bit all over the place i i actually really i really like that record but um yeah i i think i I think i'm gonna need a couple more weeks to decide exactly where it rates but it's probably it's probably in the top three or four which is probably the best you could ask for really isn't it yeah I i mean they've got two proper sort of classics in there you think that Sunshirt was this breakthrough yeah. thing where they became massive um and mutter is considered i don't think they're ever going to top mutter 
No. Uh, you know, that seems very, very unlikely. It's like asking Metallica to top Master of Puppets at this point, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I don't think they're going to do that. But to get to the point where they can just go slip in, I mean, there's nothing on this album that I don't like. There's a few that I'm like, yeah, it's just good, kind of good Ramstein song. For me, it tails off slightly towards the end, but I would agree that there's nothing on it that I don't like. Mm. Um, but but by by the time we get to Hallaman, which means announcer, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm kind of done with this record. And then it ends, which is like, oh, that's good. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm, but you know, but but that's me being uber critical. Mm. Like yeah, I like. I think this is a really solid, decent record. I like it a lot. And it's to go back to what we said about Biffy. They have such a, a recognizable sound that it's quite hard. It must be difficult for them to be able to separate themselves from themselves sometimes. Do you know what I mean? I know that sounds like a sort of oxymoron, but this has enough new stuff on it. This has enough. Um, I mean, not to the point of what Biffy were doing, no. but it certainly has enough. Um, different textures, different flavors, new ideas, um, and stuff that you haven't necessarily, or you not necessarily haven't heard before, but certainly you don't always associate initially. When you think of Ramstein, mm-hmm. when that when you when I say to you Ramstein, pop in your head, you get CG Sony. Yeah, you get a sound and a look. Yeah, and this this you know this fucks with that a little bit, and I think a little bit, yeah, yeah, and I think that you know for a band who are this deep into their career again who are so massive yeah it's suffering coming after the biffy clover album which is you know such a fucking wild card yeah yeah um but i don't think we should ignore the fact that this is very very good and isn't just you know ramstein by numbers definitely not i i think for my personal tastes i would have I would I agree with everything you're saying. I think my caveat is I think it just about has enough different stuff going on. I think they just about put enough in. Personally, I wouldn't have minded a few more tracks that go a little bit off their formula. Uh-huh. Um but you know, that's just me being picky really. Um I I think it's really good. Um there are rumours that this will be their last record. I think Christoph said something about it in an interview. Did he? Uh, if that were to be the case, do you think this would be a good sort of signing off for yeah, Einstein? I think yeah. so. Yeah, I, I, I no, pretty much I, do as well. I think this is really good. This is a this would be. I'd give this an eight out of ten. I I would give it exactly the same. Like sometimes records are really difficult to score, mm. and sometimes they're really easy. And this is one of the easiest records to score, in my opinion, out of yeah. 10. This is a solid 8 out of 10, mm, which is sure. good. That is that is good. You that know. is good, yeah. Um, it's a good record. It's a, I think that's very good, actually. Seven albums in, 8 out of 10. Yeah. Big yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's very good. Days. Good. Anyway, there you go. Um, self-titled Ramstein album is out now. Also out now, which has just come out. Uh, if you're listening to this the day it's come out, it's come out today. If you're listening to this podcast on the day it was released the new album from morrissey california sun it's the 12th solo album from the former smith's man which i have to say it's a pretty good effort to be getting a new morrissey album um when you consider his last album came out in 2017 um that's low in high school and it's quite rare for a veteran artist of such stature as morrissey to um to be this prolific uh in yeah. in their career at He's this point. Done twelve albums in twenty one years. Mm. Mm. So yeah, yeah, no, that's no, a good very... that. It's nineteen eighty eight the first one came out, I'm sure. Nineteen eighty eight, nineteen eighty eight. But 
Oh. Anyway, it's yeah, been a while. Yeah, 31 years. Sorry. Yeah, 31. So, but anyway, it's it's rare for a veteran artist to be doing that. Yeah. Um, this is a covers album, which means <laughs> it will not be held up in the same scrutiny from the um, shit-digging trouble-stirrers who are looking for some dodgy lyrical content so they can get him, get Morrissey, get him. <laughs> um, uh, just for a bit of context on this, uh, I recently saw Morrissey called the cardigan wearers Varg Vikernis on Twitter. <laughs> which not entirely comfortable going down this road I, I, I have to i have to say but um morrissey over the last few years uh has made a pretty good job of alienating a lot of the people who previously loved him now yes. this is down to his um we don't even really know what his political beliefs are. Not he's not come out and said anything. I think he said various sort of <laughs> inflammatory and quite silly things over the last few years. There's no getting away from that. He um, did. He, we, we probably. I mean, I just he did quite recently appear on the Jimmy Fallon show. Yeah, with a wearing Britain a Britain First he pin did, badge. Yeah. Mm uh like a few years like five years ago or something like that he had like quite nice things to say about nigel farage and stuff like that um i think right renfrey is a citizen of great well actually to be honest yes i agree i'd like it is his right and and we don't have to agree um and actually there was a really good article uh in the scotsman about kind of like oh my relationship with yeah Yeah. i just wanted to read this out because like it's a dangerous business throwing your lot in with a charismatic figurehead. We risk excusing the worst of a person with whom we identify. I am a good person and I like this person. Therefore, this person must be a good person, goes the entirely facile logic. However, people, be they pop singers or anyone else, are not always what we want them to be. Sometimes they are, in fact, the opposite of what we imagine. Mm. And I think that kind of sums up the Morrissey thing. I think... Uh, a lot of people who like the Smiths happen to be liberal and left wing. Mm-hmm. And um, you, when you like someone, when you admire someone, when you potentially put them on a pedestal, you want them to have the same opinions as you. But mm. if they don't, you know, they so don't. like they don't. And, yeah. and, and, you know, Kerry King doesn't. <sighs> Kerry King, we definitely do not share the same opinions, me yeah, and Kerry King. Kerry King, and yet we continue to listen to Slayer. I mean, I think yeah. Slayer's fan base is probably slightly different in uh, yes. their political yes. leanings yes. to uh, to Morrissey. But I'm 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 got to say, one, I, we were you know we were sent this record in advance, which we've been bemoaning the fact <laughs> that we can't get hold of. I know the kind yeah, of yeah, the yeah. outside of we're you know in the rock and metal world, guys. We're a big, we're a big deal in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the indie world uh, and the sort of more mainstream alternative world. We're not really a very big deal at all, so we do struggle to get. Yeah. You know, we were lucky to get the national last week, yeah. and you know, I'm really glad that we've been made, we've been able to get a Morrissey album because I'm a big fan of the Smiths uh-huh. um, and a fairly decent. You know, I'm interested in Morrissey's solo material. Um, I know the Guardian. The Guardian tweeted a little temper tantrum that Morrissey um, and their management didn't want to give them an advance copy after the Guardian kind of went out of their way to to sort of doorstep people that have appeared on this album and gone, "What do you think about that? About his political points mm-hmm. of view?" Mm-hmm. So they were like, "Well, you know." But then I have to say, um, now Guardian, now you know how it feels every time we try and get a <laughs> fucking album. 
<laughs> it's like me trying to get anything on raw power management. Um, except, you know, the Guardian do actually want to listen to Morrissey. Um, but anyway, uh, that's kind of by the by. It's It's been interesting. I've, I've read a review, again, from the NME. I've read the NME review of this album earlier. Mm-hmm. And, so, you know, <laughs> stupid considering so far we haven't really spoken about the music at all. But so much of it concentrated on... Morrissey's fucked up. He was a great guy and we all thought he was brilliant and he was the king of blah, blah, blah. And now he's a fucking piece of shit mm-hmm. and this album's rubbish. And I feel like there is a, there's, there's this dangerous reviewing a person and not wanting, do you know what I mean? You don't want to like his record because you don't want to like, because you don't like him anymore. Yeah. And I think th- this doesn't feel like it's been particularly well received, this record. No. And I don't think... You know, it isn't really the job of the critic to review a person. It's the job to review what they mm. put out. Um, and I know that some people are very uncomfortable with that, especially these days. But, you know, that's how that's certainly how we're going to approach this. Absolutely. Um, that, that is it. Now, as you mentioned, this is a covers record. Yeah. Um, Great covers album, Steve, off the top of your head. Garage Inc. Garage Inc, Metallica, Johnny Cash, American Recordings. Oh, 100%. Uh, Although it's not only, I don't know, does that count as a cover album? Because there's some originals. Oh, uh, true, well. but sure. Yeah. Renegades, Rage Against Renegades Machine. Renegades is very, very good. Uh, I'm going to throw in Kicking Against the Pricks by Nick Cave. Um, yeah. And the Teal album, obviously, by Weezer. Um, <laughs> no. but, but, but that goes up without saying anything. <laughs> really. um, yeah, so there are a few. Uh, there's also a lot of awful ones. Um, yeah. Now, there's a lot on there's here. There's more that, awful than more good. More awful than good, to be fair. There's a lot on here that you might have expected Morrissey to cover. You know, Roy Orbison, Melanie, um, the Fifth Dimension, the sort of kind of super cool retro things that you'd expect from him. Um, there's a few kind of uh, wild cards, I guess mm-hmm. you would say, in there as well. Carly Simon, mm-hmm. didn't necessarily expect. Nope. Um, Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan a little bit, yeah. Um, so uh, Dion, Dion Warwick. Dion Warwick is the one where I, yeah, yeah. very, very surprising. But um, it is uh, an album where I only knew one of the songs originally, and that's okay. only a pawn in their game by uh, uh, Bob Dylan. By uh, Bob I'm Dylan. exactly the same. Yeah. So I knew that song. And again, um, uh, the, the fact that, you know, um, this is... Uh, that Bob Dylan song is um, a song about kind of um, the assassination of a civil rights activist in 1963. Mm-hmm. So it's about um, Medgar Evers is the, the guy's name, which kind of confuses, <laughs> confuses the narrative of what Morrissey's about even <laughs> further um, to, to kind of sing this Bob Dylan uh, classic uh, that kind of like about, you know, anti-racism. Um, kind of change and it's it's a I think it's brilliant as well it's a really brilliant cover yes I agree actually Um, I really like that cover yeah it's it's really really brilliant and it does um, feel like he's just trolling people now doesn't it this is the thing like I he's I think he's taking the piss yeah I I feel like I feel like he's just going you know unfortunately these days when you were talking earlier about Till playing a character I think there's always been a lot of Morrissey playing a character yeah. there's always been a lot of like subtle um, underlying sarcasm yep and there's this I, you know you, you never re- you've never really known where you stood with Morrissey nope. you know he's come out and said he's bisexual he's 
happily covered. I mean, again, even on this one, the the, the Billy Joe Armstrong collaboration um, that is on there, which again is a fucking brilliant, brilliant song, um, which is called Wedding Bell Blues, uh, originally by the Fifth Dimension. It's got Billy Joe Armstrong on it, and he talks about marrying "Marry Me, Bill." You know, so many bands these days will change the lyrics to fit their their preferred gender. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where he doesn't ever do that and mm-hmm. he's never done that. And he's always mm-hmm. thought that that was a really kind of funny thing to do. I think he's always gone, <laughs> be funny to say that to all these kind mm-hmm. of like Manchester punk rockers. And when the Smiths are coming through to be this really foppish guy singing a song by a woman in the kind of, the fe- from the female perspective yeah. as a man. Yeah. And he's, I, I feel like so much of it is just Morrissey trolling, like literally trolling people. And yeah, you can go like, well, he's he's you know he's nearly sixty and he shouldn't be doing that and like blah 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 blah. And it's not funny when you're you know the, the real narrative and the but I actually think like, fuck it, like let you know, I like to not really I like musicians to keep me second to kind of to second guess everything a musician's doing. And I feel like so much of this record, it's interesting because a I'm going to say it straight away. I think this record's great. Okay. I think it's really great. Like, I really, really like it a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's so luscious sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very bombastic, like isn't bombastic. it? Bombastic. Yeah. It's like the Phil Spector isms of it. That wall of noise. There are some things that just sound class that will always sound great. And I think the, that kind of lush, symphonic sounding, warm, like wall of noise of, of you know a kind of orchestral swell of of classic sounding pop music will never ever ever get old i've started mm. listening to to craig charles funk and soul mm-hmm. show on bbc six music quite mm-hmm. a lot recently on on catch up and it's so brilliant and and stuff like that that uh, i feel like i'm being a really old person here but that stuff just doesn't date and i feel like a sound like this just doesn't date and these songs are just really brilliantly written songs and like the Roy Orbison one um is a song called It's Over by Roy Orbison that's fantastic and his voice Morrissey's voice on it is incredible the performance on it is absolutely brilliant and it just I know people are probably going to get annoyed at me going it radiates class with the sort of things that he's been doing recently mm. but it's a really classy sounding record we're just talking about the music though so, yeah of yeah. course no, yeah. and I agree with you it's a classy sounding record most definitely yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it really does and it's got you know it's got um, there's a song uh, Lady Willpower which kind of sounds like Britpop that could have been picked out of the Britpop era from the Divine Comedy do you know what I mean yeah. it's got this really cool kind of very summery British um, eccentric thing about it. It's almost a Motown kind yeah. of feel. And I mean, when you say eccentric, the original was by, I'd never heard of this group, but Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. Right. Never heard of uh, <laughs> No, neither have I. But I did listen to the original and I think Morrissey does a really good version of that song. Yeah. yeah so now very, this is something good. where we're different because yeah. I haven't gone back and listened to the original. So I was interested in, and, and you did. You had more time I, so I... So I... Listened to the record a few times and, um, you know, uh, I wanted to, I, I didn't feel like I had a brilliant grasp on it. So I then, the last time I listened to it, I actually literally AB'd Morrissey's version with the original for each song, um, which I do feel gave me a bit more context with everything and certainly was made me able to appraise whether I thought it was a good cover or not. Right, okay. Um, I th- 
agree with you up to a point. I think half of this record is great. I think the other half is a bit meh. So I think overall, it's all right. And actually, I think when it's good, I think it's fantastic. Mm. Um, The first song is a brilliant way to start. Um, uh, Morning Starship, which starts with this harpsichord. And you don't hear many records starting with a harpsichord in 2019. Um, Far better than I expected it to be, I have to admit. The 1976 original is by Jobraith. Jobraith, have you heard of it? Nope. Bizarre incredibly silly song which from what i can ascertain is about a um space lady coming to earth and falling in love with space lady somehow morrissey makes it sound not silly Mm. um you know which i think is actually quite a credit to him because it really lyrically is a very silly song but that's a really good start i think um just to go back to that bob dylan tune as well only a pawn in their game i love the, the there's a driving beat in that song which isn't in the original because it's just bob dylan and acoustic guitar um which doesn't sort of betray the folksy roots of it Mm. but it really just gives it more of a edge Mm. Um, and you can really hear dylan's intonation in Mm. the way that morrissey sings it as well um i think that's a really good cover i think you already mentioned it's over so i won't go into it but morrissey doing roy orbison like the original crooner it just makes perfect sense um i really love lenny's tune i think lenny's tune sounds like it could have been a smith song especially with the opening line i lost a friend and i don't know why it's actually about lenny bruce oh Um, is it okay i didn't know that yeah um and the original piano arrangement is more or less the same but a double bass has been added to morrissey's version and with great effect actually it works really really well um I also like When You Close Your Eyes, which is the Carly Simon song, mm. which has a far bigger arrangement than the original. Um, and I think it's by far the most successful cover on this record where the original was sung by a woman. Right, okay. But then I think... I didn't. I wasn't as into Wedding Bell Blues as you are. It's, i tell you what it is. Like, I really like it, but <laughs> it's Billy Joe Armstrong in the background. That weirds me out a bit. It took me a few listens to get used to it. I have suddenly to, go like, oh, that's Billy Joe Armstrong. What's he doing? In I have room? to say, I didn't even notice. Uh, okay. And like, I think it would have been my third or fourth listen when I looked up a bit more information about the record. I was like, Billy Joe Armstrong's on the record. Where? On what song? And yeah. when I knew it was Billy Joe Armstrong, I was like, okay, yeah, I can hear it now. You but can hear it. Yeah. He is it does feel like he's very much in the background. Oh yeah, it's backing vocals. Yeah, there's very like But the, it's bit- <laughs> It is Billy Joe Armstrong. So clearly Billy Joe Armstrong. It's a bizarre duet. It's a bizarre collaboration, isn't it? I mean, there's a few collaborators on this record. Yes, there are actually. It doesn't really feel like any of them adds all that much to it. No, not really. I mean, there's um, members of Broken Social Scene, members of Grizzly Bear, amongst other people. Um, Petra Hayden from the Decemberists is in my personal favourite song is Suffer the Little Children which I think is fucking ace. I really, really like that. I think that's really, really great. Um, Do you know what? Um, But again, I've not heard the Buffy Santa Marie. I was, well, I quite liked Suffer the Little Children and then I heard the original and now I don't like it. Oh, really? Okay. Mm. Hmm. The original is fucking great. And even to the point where I was like, hmm, Buffy Saint Marie, I should check out more of her stuff. Um, 
Yeah, the original's fucking excellent. Is it? And okay. I, I, it has, Morrissey gives it this. I mean, he does make it his own to a degree. He gives it a big brassy arrangement, but it doesn't. Having heard the original now, it doesn't work for me. Oh, okay, um, that's interesting because that is my favourite song on the record. Oh, interesting. That, okay. and, and also, I have to say, again, in a in a in a a piece of sort of world class Olympic gold standard level trolling. Some say I got Devil by Melanie, uh-huh. the last song, which it basically is a song going, I might be really evil, yeah. I might not, I might yeah. be a right camp, yeah, I yeah, might yeah. just be mucking around, <laughs> I might don't know, you don't know. That is how he chooses to end the album. Yeah. And on and and it, it is odd to go into it is you know with, with everything that's been spoken about, with all the kind of context swirling around outside of this record of you know, who Morrissey now is and how disappointed people are with him and all this other uh-huh. extra kind of stuff that is very, very difficult to shake from your brain. But you thought, well, it's a covers album, so I'll be able to, to kind of get that context at the end. Um, I, and as well, like the, I would, I listened to only a pawn in their game, knowing it was this kind of anti-racism, you know, kind of pro black rights activist um, song. And then when you hear him going, you know, it's not the fault of the white man with Morrissey saying it, you suddenly like, Hold on, this is t- yeah, <laughs> this has really yeah, changed yeah, the meaning yeah. of it quite a lot. But um, I wondered if people would kick off about him saying the I, N word as well in that song, which yeah. is which is which is keeping in with the original and you know different times and all this kind of thing. Mm. But um, uh, I mean, I've not seen anyone kick off about it. I, no, oh. no, I haven't. I think you know there there seems to be two schools of people at the moment who one who are blindly in love with Morrissey and re- absolutely refuse to acknowledge that there's anything wrong with him whatsoever and everything he does is incredible. And then there are people who now have gone, oh, he <laughs> doesn't exactly subscribe to the person that I decided he was on those mm. Smiths records. So mm. now I fucking hate him and he's Hitler. And <laughs> like everything in our current society, there is absolutely no room for, for nuance kind of thought or, or nuance or moderation. Gray area yeah. or, yeah. And and that's the thing. Morrissey probably is somewhere in between those two, isn't he? I the imagine. thing is, what's really interesting about him, and again, listen to this record, is that, you know, I don't think that you were ever going to get your questions answered no. on this record because it's a covers album. It does sort of, it's tricksy. I feel like it's quite tricksy mm-hmm. in its approach. And, you know, I think there's certainly there's times where I go, you've picked that just to, to so yeah. that you're laughing yeah. behind your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so I think you would probably, but even if you had an album of brand new material i'm not sure how much you would actually be able to decipher from that because no. he is a very very tricksy person and i kind of i i actually quite admire artists that where you go i don't really know what's going on in their head like it feels like it's very very difficult to decipher well i do like that enigma element mm. to bands and artists um i think morris Morrissey can go about it however he wants to, if he wants to troll people, if he gets amusement out of that, he is perfectly entitled to do that. I prefer a band being an enigma in a sort of tall way, although actually tall troll people to fuck, yeah. don't they? Um, but not in a, you know, right wing cunty way, <laughs> yeah. I suppose. But regardless um, of, yeah, re- I mean, regardless, but regardless of all that, yeah. I really, I think this is a great summer record. I really, I really like this. I didn't really expect to like it. It reminded when it came along, I was like, "This is going to be that Danzig cover album." Mm-hmm. You know, Danzig mm-hmm. skeleton, yeah, yeah, yeah. picking similar things. You know, picking fifties yeah. rock and roll, yeah, and yeah, yeah. picking. And his voice is gone. And what amazed me about it, as much as anything, is one. You know, like it sounds luscious. This is. It's not like Paul Weller. 
Paul Weller was kind of, I feel like Morrissey can musically grow old. He's, he's kind of built to age gracefully. He's kind of, you know, musically speaking at least. And I think, I you think know, he, I think his voice sounds as good as yeah, it ever has done on this record. Beautiful, beautifully graceful record, which yeah. someone like, you know, we've spoken about Ian Brown and Paul Weller and those kind of similar artists. And they haven't been able to age as gracefully because no. they were never built in the same way. As, you know, not a million miles away from someone that's, you know, early Scott Walker, like Walker Brothers, mm-hmm. Scott Walker. Mm-hmm. Like he's got that, you know, that kind of vibe about him. Mm-hmm. And although, you know, some people might call him a, a, a problematic human being. Oh, I can't believe I just used problematic. Oh, I can't. <laughs> um, a, you know, a, a, a dodgy human being. Yeah. Um, this album's really good. I I I think it's decent. I I you know as I as, as I said I basically it's twelve tracks and I I basically like six of them and I don't mm. like the other six. So so for me I like half the record. Um, it's certainly better than I expected it to be. Uh, from from the opening track, I was like, "Oh, hello! This is you know." I mean, better than the Teal album. Well, I enjoy the Teal album more. You're mad! <laughs> Fuck's sake! <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I I mean, the, you know, this doesn't have Toto on it, does it? So, you know. No, <laughs> Toto has got Toto on it. <laughs> Silly idiot. <laughs> I mean, at least... Yeah, I'm not getting into this. Uh, anyway, it's out now. If you're a Morrissey fan, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's good. I think it's actually good. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's you worth... Like half it? I like half of it, yeah. Mm, good. <laughs> All right, um, it is called California Sun. It's out right bloody now. Now something quite different from that. Okay, um, just the Chosen One by Destrage, the fifth album from the Italian tech metal nut jobs. Renfrey, <laughs> I think fucking loved 2014's are you kidding me no it's very prob- strange album title that, very very it? strange yeah, album yeah, yeah. title for a very very strange album i would say it's probably my favorite album of that year that wasn't one of the absolute classics that against me or behemoth released that year yeah. i'd say it's in touching distance of basically when we come to doing our best albums of the decade that album will be in a short list a long short list of albums that are in the running to make up part of the top 20. It reminded me of System of a Down, of Faith No More, of Mm -hmm. Sixth, of Mm -hmm. Devin Townsend, of Jane's Addiction. Mm -hmm. It's all kind of melded together with pretty much no interest in (laughs) ever staying in the same place for more than about 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a follow-up called uh, A Means to No End, which came out in 2016. You like that very much as well. I like that album cool. a lot. Yeah. It's still good, but it felt like the ideas had been kind of condensed, which might work for some people, didn't work as much for me. I thought it was good, very good. If it had been the first thing of theirs I'd ever heard, I probably would have really, really liked it. But it wasn't, and as a result, I kind of went, ah, oh, yeah, it's still really good, and it took me a little while to actually really be able to enjoy it because, are you kidding me, no... It's such a fucking great record. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Your relationship with Destrage, Renfrey? This is the first Destrage album I've heard. Is and it? I know about Destrage because I've heard you wanging on about them and how much you like them. And the way that you have described them, 
they have always been a band who I'm like, hmm, I should definitely check them out. And I've just never got around to it. And then you said, there's a Destroyer album coming out. And I went, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, my, so, th- so this is my introduction to well, Destroyer. My hopes were still very high for this. And I looked at it. It was eight, it's eight tracks. It's 33 minutes. And I was hoping that with a sort of shorter period of time and less tracks, they would go back to proper fucking wild ah, Destroyer, what I loved. Okay, um, sounds fairly wild to me, but I mean, but I, but I don't know, I don't know what proper wild Destrage is. Yeah, I mean, just as just as someone who's never heard them before, this sounds fairly wild and idiosyncratic and uh, schizophrenic to my ears. But right. is it not compared to their previous material? Um, I don't think it is. No. Okay. Now. That is not to say that this is a bad record. Uh, uh-huh. What do you think? Let's just go. What do you think about this record? I think it is decent. So it's a technical prog metal record. You could call it progressive metalcore, I suppose. Yeah. Um, kind of in the vein of Protest the Hero mm-hmm. or less well known, but I'd say a band, probably my favorite band in that progressive technical metal category are probably intranaut do you know intranaut yeah they're fantastic um very i mean it goes to all sorts of you know i thought i thought it went to i think it does go to a lot of different places this record definitely yeah um but i really admired the manner in which it flowed because sometimes i love between the buried and me but sometimes particularly on those earlier records they've got better at it as they've gone along but Mm particularly on those early records they jump around into so many different styles and stuff and sometimes it feels like a really odd jump yeah as in because the songwriting's not quite there uh-huh. um protest the hero occasionally do that as well i think um uh, yeah i like protest the hero as well but you know they they do have moments where they do this really odd kind of like Ugh. oh you've you, okay you've gone to a different place now but you haven't done that seamlessly yeah and i was very impressed at how seamlessly this all moved through different um uh, the different portions of each song mm. i also think the vocalist uh paolo colavolpe i'm guessing i don't know pronunciation wise has an incredible mike oh, pattern-esque he really does yeah. um i was so stunned and i only got this off of wikipedia so it may not be accurate but he seems to be the only person who does vocals in the record on uh, uh, in this band mm, they've got a back the guitarist uh does backing vocals does quite a heavy amount of backing vocals okay but it is just no more so than say what um what sean in while she sleeps does okay or like sammy in employed to serve he's oh, not okay he does do some vocals but they are you know not loads well i was really impressed with how many different voices paolo had in yeah. that mike Patton esque way Definitely. in that axel rose esque way actually especially mm. if you listen to the use your illusion albums um you know he 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 can has the ability to sound like about eight different singers yeah. uh or or vocalists and perry farrell's always the one that he reminds me of like perry farrell yeah surge tanky and crossed with like a, a deathcore singer yeah he really helped keep my interest up mm. with this album um which wasn't difficult because as you say it's quite short but i like just not knowing what he was going to do next um i i, I yeah I, th- he, I think he's a pretty amazing talent um overall i like I, I i like it i don't feel like i've spent enough time with it 
Um, but I do think it's, I think it's decent. And I definitely think it's one of the better examples of this kind of thing. They are one of the best bands at doing this. And yeah, I think certainly, I can see that. you know, they, especially um, if you consider this a, well, a tech I, metal album. Well, I was about, I was about to say, if you, uh, if you consider this a, not particularly good Destrage album. I'm not sure if that's what you're going to say or not. Then they are definitely one of the best at doing this. Because oh, yeah. if this is a poor Destrage album, no, then it's, it's, it's not. not. Okay. It's not a poor Destrage album. Okay. I think it's probably... Okay, this is what I think. First half of it, I was like, yeah, this is cool. It's quite good. Um, but I did feel like I still missed the the really like, what the fuck is going on? Like, uh-huh. I felt like... You know, when I listen to "Are You Kidding Me?" No, I remember just it's what you you know. It's an album you just laugh mm-hmm. because you're like, I mm-hmm. cannot mm-hmm. believe you're even trying to do this. That album is just fucking mental, absolutely mental. Again, if you've not heard it, you know, for me that is the first place to go. It, it is fucking exceptional. That record, it's absolutely exceptional. I think this is probably better than the last one. Okay. And the reason that I think it's probably better than the last one is because the first half of it feels like there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing bad about it. I think that, you know, those songs, um, particularly Hey Stranger, uh, mm-hmm. the third track is is really, really good. And At The Cost Of Pleasure is very different from, you know, it's a sort of a, a bit of a, a slower one. Um, as a huge, slower, but yeah, but as a, big, a huge sing-along moment at the end, which yeah. a lot of these bands sacrifice... Yeah, you know, uh, and and I really liked that about yeah. it. But I felt like it was. I felt like I knew what was happening. Okay. For the first. Yeah, four. yeah, yeah. It's not until Mr. Bugman, the fifth Mr. Track, Bugman is definitely a highlight. Comes on, um, where it's completely unpredictable, and it's yeah. got this midsection where it's almost like trumpet sax, like, yeah. like, like all over the place, and yeah. just like wild as fuck. And I was like. That's the band that I like. Right. Okay. That's the band that I fucking. Oh, like. that's cool. That um, makes me really want to listen to. Uh, uh, oh, are you kidding me? No. Yeah. 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 And to not know what they're going to do, There's, and uh, you know, I think the best song on it is um, uh, "Headache and Crumbs," which is just oh, fucking okay. bonkers as well. And the title track as well is is fucking great. I think the second half of this record is them like getting very very close to them at their their peak i'm not sure you know there's some songs on are you kidding me no which um which i i still think are better than anything that's on this record but that's because that record is like a fucking 10 out of 10 killer record um but it gets close you know mm. on that second half and the first half is not bad the first mm-hmm, half you know mm-hmm. if any other band who had never heard before came out and released that as an ep those four songs on ep we go that's good promising. this yeah, is a really good like promising definitely. ep but i just i wonder if someone's gone to them look chill out a bit like just do the first half of the album like, well to be fair bands do that that is often a natural progression with bands anyway i mean you know between the buried and me are <laughs> can't call them a chilled band can you but they're far more chilled than they used to be yeah and uh i think even protest the hero i think all those bands do to an excerpt to a certain extent so i think that's quite a natural progression yeah they maybe. still sound pretty bonkers i mean well, yeah, rage do. my alibi i'm a little bit surprised you haven't mentioned rage my alibi because i think that is totally bonks yeah uh, yeah well, like, yeah, that, <laughs> like the, the last four so mr bugman rage my yeah. alibi headache and crumbs and the gifted one i think i picked the gifted one out as the you know because it's the, the the um the last song and yeah it's just 
very very different from anything else that's going on the record which is a very very different record and it's um yeah and it was like the last thing and i was like oh they've done and those those four songs are wicked and mm-hmm. they are everything that I want Destrage to be. Okay. I want them to be like that all the time. Mm-hmm. And the first sort of four songs, again, they're not bad, but I just think Destrage are at their best when you just go, what is going on? Yeah. I, what the hell is going on? Yes. I think those were my favourite moments overall. I mean, my fa- my favourite songs were Mr. Bugman, uh, Rage My Alibi. I did put in... Um, at the Cost of Pleasure? Yes, as yeah. well. Um, but, but it gets better as it goes on. You know what I mean? Like that's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, I broadly album, agree with that. Yeah, yeah that the yeah. album gets kind of like will get better and better and better, and and that's I think that's cool. Um, but I, I want you know it, it, again, it's not as good as Are You Kidding Me? No, I'm not sure they'll ever make an album that's as good as that. Okay. I'm not sure any of these bands will. Well, <laughs> like, I mean, do you know yeah. what I mean? I don't think any of these bands are capable of making an album that's as good as that. That album is fucking brilliant if you haven't heard it you have to go and listen to that record mm. if you're into tech metal mm. at all like that's it, it drives me mad because they're from italy obviously they've never had they're on metal blade and they've not really got hardly any press no one seems to give a shit about them you're the only person who i've ever heard really really talk them up um and on the basis of this yeah they, they should people should be talking about them like definitely um have you seen them live? I've seen them live three times. How are they live? Really, really good. Yeah. I saw them at... Te- they played... So the year that that album came out... Uh, it, well, yeah, it came out early 2014. I heard it late 2013. And I remember hearing it and just being like, this is going to be my favourite album of 2014. It's fucking unbelievable. And I listened to it more than I listened to anything else that year. More than The Satanist, more than The Marmoset's album, more than fucking anything that came out in 2014. And then they got added to the bill at TechFest. I went to TechFest that year. And they played the Sunday at about three o'clock in front of about 50 people. Mm. And I was so psyched to see them. I can't remember like being that excited about watching a new band. Mm. And it was like just a bunch of people who'd never heard of them before. Mm. And they were really, really good. And then I saw them, they headlined a Barfly. Ah. I think they, because they toured with Sixth. And I wasn't around to see them when they toured with Sixth. And then they toured with, they kind of got added, they got added to a couple of bills that I couldn't go to. But I think they were on tour with someone in the UK. Then, uh, But there was no London date. And they just did a one-off show at the Barfly in London. And again, not many people there. But, um, but they were really, really good. I've not seen them on the new album or the well the last album or mm-hmm. this album so I've not mm-hmm. seen them for a mm-hmm. long time mm-hmm. but I would definitely want to see them again this is kind of I think the last one I liked it but I haven't listened to it since really I haven't listened right. to it many times since whereas I still listen to Are You Kidding Me No right 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 okay um, interesting in fact I still listen to Are You Kidding Me No and I still listen to um, uh, The King Is Fat and Old <laughs> Oh, okay. 2010. Because it's as good as that's their second. It's their fifth, yeah. Album, isn't it? Yeah. So I listened to to that one as well, which is that that's good as well, and that's mental. But um, they're really, really good band. Yeah. Yeah. Really good, and this is dead good. So listen, go and get into their back catalogue. Maybe start with this. This is a good record, and if you started with it, and then you went back, you'd be like, wow, that's you know. Maybe we can assess whether that's the case next week if I. 
remember to listen to it. Yeah, you definitely yeah. should. But they're a cool band, and if you like tech metal at all, then fucking, I just drive me mad that they're not like the darlings of that scene. It's mental. Anyway, uh, that's the chosen one by Destrage. The last album we're going to talk about before we move on to the trade-off is by Petrol Girls. The album's called Cut and Stitch. It's the second album from the London-based punks following on from 2016's Talk of Violence debut. Uh, Renfrey, um, I don't know much about this band other than I looked them up. They got Apparently they got a big old shout-out in the Basingstoke Gazette, which is from where I'm from. <laughs> so they said they, they've, been, they've been hyped by Kerrang! and the Basingstoke Gazette. And I was like, what a weird thing to <laughs> But anyway, uh, they've um, also well, I should say they were also hyped by the Independent. When yeah, I, I think that is there. in their Wikipedia page. Well, uh, yeah, um, so I heard their first album, Talk of Violence, in 2016, and was pretty impressed with it, um, and uh, impressed enough to stream it. I think my feelings are were at the time, you know, if this if this wasn't a debut album, I wouldn't be as impressed, but I thought it was really promising. Mm. And, um, I liked kind of the politic of it and the, you know, they, they refer to themselves constantly as like feminist post hardcore. They'd be fucking furious being on the same show as Morrissey, aren't they? They would be fucking furious. Yeah. yeah. And there were moments on that record. Like it's, that record is 28 minutes and it is all rage, acerbic rage, you know, fueled spite, there's a song called Touch Me Again and the vocalist Ren just screams over and over again uh, with no music. Touch me again and I'll fucking kill you. And it's really like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, don't touch her again. Um, and yeah, I just thought there was a lot of promise in that record, which was a bit of a Molotov cocktail of a record. Mm. So I was curious to see what they would do next. And... Well, I think this is a massive step up. I have to say, whilst I saw promise in this band, I did not predict this. Right. Um, personally. And I think that has come from, I mean, so there's something that Ren, the vocalist, touches on in the press notes. And she says, something that I've reluctantly allowed feminism to teach me is that we have to tend our own wounds. And that sometimes being vulnerable is just as radical as being angry. It certainly scares me a lot more. Rage on its own isn't sustainable. We hope this is a more honest and human record. And Talk of Violence felt like that rage-inflicted spite-fueled... You know, it was just a 28-minute... Yeah. Whereas there's a lot more going on on this album. There's a lot more melody. There's, you know, it's definitely still rage on it. Oh God, undoubtedly. Yeah. Mm. Um, but there is so much more going, going on with it. I think Ren has a touch of skunk and nancy's skin to her in her kind of intent and you would not fuck with her um i was actually gonna say this is one of the albums that reminded me most of the kind of that early school of sort of right girl bands from the, the early yeah 90s. yeah so we yeah. were actually gonna we were gonna do the l7 album uh, a few weeks ago and we, we didn't i still haven't had a chance to listen to it but i feel like maybe i don't and shouldn't now um <laughs> do you <laughs> yeah. know what i mean yeah. um and when you think of like babes in toyland and bikini particularly bikini kill yeah. um that mixed with dare i say it renfrey there's a kind of wicked at the driving yes angular yes very very um ex expansive expressive 
technically, mu- musically, dare I say it, uh, they're much more musically accomplished yes. than those very critically lauded early 90s riot girl bands. Yes. They're probably definitely. better than them. Yes. Bikini Kill just sold out two nights at Brixton Academy. Did they? Fuck. I wow. Know, yeah. Um, I think I know I'd rather go and see. Absolutely. Well, Petrol Girls are playing New Cross Inn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, I like to to be honest with you, I, the, the at the drive-in thing, I totally agree with. And, and the angular thing, absolutely. That at the drive-in angular thing was what was missing from the first record. Mm. Um, I, I don't want to... You know, that first record's great. It's just this is really far beyond it. Um, and I think there's a touch of refused in there as well. Yeah. Um, it's actually 15 tracks, but it rattles along in like just under 40 minutes. Because mm. a few of those tracks are sort of interlude but remind me of the shape of punk to come in their kind of interlude yeah there's the spoken word well spoken word stuff spoken word stuff which i mean i've got to be honest if if i did have a bit which like i don't mean for all of them but occasionally they do sound uh slightly pre is premeditated the right word i suppose i have to be because they're obviously going to record it but i they didn't always they didn't always ring as true as the music some of the kind of spoken word okay Um, i think those. i didn't really yeah they were kind of a bit I could. I didn't need them. Not all of them, but there was a couple of them. I was like, didn't need that. I think they break up the record quite nicely. Mm. Um, I understand what you're saying, but I, 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 I like. I mean, it reminded me of the shape of punks come, and anything that reminds me of the shape of punks come is going to be a thumbs up in my book. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but like, they've got this new sense of melody. Ren's singing a lot more. The male backing vocals as well. I'm sorry, I don't know who does them um, and I don't want to get the wrong name, but like the male backing vocals, there's far more of them on this record as well. And they like yeah. whoever it is, he's got a touch of Jamie Lenman to him. Like he sounds really, really good. Yeah. And there's almost points on this record where it feels like there's a dual vocal thing going on. And I really, I think that's a really, really cool addition. I really, really like it. But songs like Monstrous, Burn and Talk in Tongues particularly have this really angular feel, which is very different to what they were doing on the previous record. Um, the message is, you know, the message that they're trying to convey is just as strong on Cut and Stitch as it was on Talk of Violence. But the music underpinning it is just so much better and classier and more yeah, interesting. There's some really, really good songs. In it. Yeah, I really love um, no love for a nation. I think that's yes. fucking brilliant. And I have and to that, say, and, and that song ends with the kazoo version of the <laughs> national anthem, which yeah. is just one of the best, one of the best sort of non-verbal political, um, uh, like rallies, cries I've ever heard. I mm. think like that's just brilliant. Like, well, I mean, I th- the main thing from this that I took away from it, and having kind of gone ah you know it's all right for morrissey to be morrissey like his album's quite good and like just let him get on with being whatever kind of weird dude he is you know we don't really know what is so enthralling and instant and vibrant about this is the intent oh god yeah and the purpose that's where the, that's where the skin thing comes yeah, in for me the purpose and the intent of this record uh-huh. is that you know is is so is is the nucleus of of how of, the, of how great the music is mm-hmm. of how rattlingly the punk rock sound of it's at how fucking angry it is the mm-hmm. fun, like 
you've got to love again and you know again i would say this but we said it earlier about morrissey we were saying if you if you didn't agree with this band and you were like oh boo get on don't care about your political blah 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 because people do that don't they people like yeah, sometimes they, yeah. they don't want to hear boy sets fire talk about the, the entire reason this but to me it feels like the entire reason this band exists is to um is to talk about those things i agree is to, is to express those viewpoints i agree so you either totally buy into it and go i'm glad that that these people have an outlet for something that they clearly feel incredibly passionate about mm -hmm. whether you agree with it or not mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't really see why you wouldn't but whether you agree with it or not i love to hear people that are this passionate about something and that's this is fucking good this record yeah i i, I really really like it i think um i think this is a brilliant like acerbic and experimental uh album that lifts petrol girls from being like a quote-unquote promising new band status to something quite exceptional and truly inspiring you know um and I, I I really I really want you to listen to Talk of Violence now because I want you to hear the well, step I think up. I will. I think absolutely, I will. Yeah, and and I th sure. I think I think you'll enjoy Talk of Violence. Mm. It's a decent record, but uh, but this is just it's so much better. Um, I, I feel like th that intent that you're talking about. I think they have had that from day one. Even listening to their early p early EPs, I think they've had that from day one. But. Uh, they just have a much better soundtrack to it now, in my opinion. Um, I right. love this album. This is one of my favorite punk albums of the year, I reckon. Sweet. It's really fucking very good. good. It's very good. Very, I very mean, good. you know, the only ones, I mean, it's up there with Morbid Stuff by Pup for me. Uh, That's still the, the one to beat, isn't it? It probably is, but, but the fact that I'm throwing it into the conversation and I do think it stands up with I, it. I played... Um, uh, this and then Pup and well, I, I love this. I know you weren't as keen as me, but I still am fucking, I love that Spielberg's album as well. Mm -hmm. And I played them through I back like to back album. and I was like, just fucking, that shit just sounds great. Yep. You play that along with the last Dirty Neil album as well. Excellent. Yep. And, and yep. you'll have an excellent time. Yep. Although arguably this is the angriest of those four bands. Um, Yeah, probably. Yeah. All right. Anyway, it's out now. It's called Cut and Stitch. The band are called Petrol Girls. Um, I think you'll have a lot, a nice time doing that. Um, and now I, I'm scared to, I think well, this trade off, right? Can we start with what you gave me? Yeah. Is that all right? Because yeah. I don't want to go from loads of good stuff and then after the little dip in the middle. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually really, I'm looking forward to it this week. Um, you gave me the Hold Steady, Boys and Girls in America from 2006. Yes, I did. Their third album. They're from New York, yep. aren't they? New York City. Um, they've got that Gaslight Anthem thing. Um, I Yeah. Uh, but it's ballsier, isn't it? It's ballsier. Ballsier. Uh, and also, street. wasn't it before Gaslight? Well, um, yeah, it was. But I just mean that thing, Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That Americana thing. Yeah. Well, actually, it's good that you said Springsteen. Um, Jeff Buckley once said that Nusra Fat Ali Khan is his Elvis. Yeah. Um, the Hold Steady are my Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Oh, um, I fucking love this band. By the way, Steve, so be careful. Cool. <laughs> um, so I, uh, 
I have listened to this band before, mostly on Heaven Is Whenever, which came out in 2010. Ah, uh, my least favourite Hold Steady Is it? Record. That was when I... When <laughs> yes. I'd been aware of them, but I hadn't really listened to them. And I listened to that album and I thought, they're pretty good, but yeah. never enough to really delve in. Not and a bad only, record, but, not but bad. No, by no, no, far no. my least favourite. Oh, I quite like this band, but yeah, and that's always been the one that I've listened to because I've never really read up on them. They're just one of those bands that have sort of passed me by. Um, I did notice on the, the, the bonus tracks of this, they covered The Violet Femmes and Bob Seger. Oh, I, which, I, I've not heard these covers. Which okay. I think tells you everything you need to know about yes. this record. Yes. Because I think that is, as much as we talk about Bruce Springsteen, um, this certainly feels like punk rock record. Yes. Uh, this certainly feels like um, alternative music. It feels like it comes from, you know, a DIY culture background and, and idea. But the 70s vibes on it. Oh, yeah. The it, Bob Seger. I mean, I actually wrote down Billy Joel, mm-hmm. Elton John and the Eagles mm-hmm. as things that it reminded me of. Elton John, I think primarily i'm guessing you're getting from franz nikolai who is the keyboard player absolutely wicked keyboard player oh the piano parts on this record are so fucking good Uh, they have they have that yeah better than any of those bands i've not heard any of those bands use keys in the way that and i was about to say the get up kids i mean the get up is a completely different band they use it in a completely different way but they're the only band who have keys in their sound from punk rock yeah but it's not as good as this i think it's different yeah okay can we say different yeah well because it is definitely we are allowed uh sorry i'm i'm speaking specifically about the keys although i think i do prefer the whole series to get up kids overall anyway but um but um the manner in which the keys are used on this record i I mean franz nikolai is an absolute hero like i think he's absolutely amazing he actually did this was the first album he I th- oh, I think this is right. I believe this is the first album where he was a proper member of the band. Mm. He was on the previous record, but like more as a guest. Yeah. Um, and he stayed with them for a couple of records and then he left. And I have to say, um, I base I adore the first four Hold Steady records and then the last two are good. Right. Um, okay. Heaven is whenever is the fifth one. Yeah. Um, but um I think Franz Nikolai brings so much to it. I think the the dynamic between the keys, the guitar, and um, Craig Finn's vocals, some of the best lyrics I've ever, ever encountered in any band ever. So a couple of weeks ago, I put a tweet out going, who are the most underrated bands from the UK, US, and the rest of the world? And I got a lot of replies, but one of them... Um, jumped out at me where somebody because we'd recorded the show but it hadn't gone out yet and someone had said us the hold steady are the most underrated band from the us every song is a kind of jack karak um novel is a road you know is a is a a fucking novel of a a story out on the road set to music every single song and i went and i'd listened to this record once at that point right i got that tweet and I made a point of going, oh, I should listen to, you know, I should make a real like per- point of, of taking in the lyrics. And a song like the first line of Chips Ahoy, like betting, I don't know exactly <laughs> what the line is, but betting, money betting on, on horses, cool. like putting $900 down on a horse called Chips and that's Ahoy. The, yeah. And the way everything unfolds from there. Yeah. Like 
these are some like seriously he's got the same thing that i always use i always use rancid uh-huh yeah it may not be the best example um oh, in, in this, it works in, yeah but rancid paint these pictures where you don't actually know the characters but you yeah. feel like you do yeah you don't you can't see the surroundings but they're writ large in your head you don't know yeah. where if the story's real or what it's about but you feel like you're along for the ride yeah and every single song has got that on this record well craig finn started out as a kind of beat poet which i think makes total sense yeah um and he also did this like the first three records and this is the third album um have this really fucking cool thing where um there are three characters who go who are part of the narrative of all three albums um so you know kind of like uh like um bon jovi bringing back uh gina from living on a prayer to it's my life except three characters across three albums the second album separation sunday is kind of like a concept album and then these amazing things happen to this character these characters you know um i think it's, it's holly charlemagne and someone else i can't remember the other one now but like that is a fucking cool concept in and of itself which i've never really heard another band do i've heard bands you know like i said the bon jovi like taking yeah. character over a couple of songs but like over several records not as much less so i could guess coheed and stuff like that well, yeah but, there's, a, there's a few but there. this is done in a really fucking cool way um the jack kerouac thing's very interesting it begins with a line from jack kerouac um the the whole album uh the, there are nights when i think that sour paradise was right boys and girls in america they have such a sad time together, sucking off each other at the demonstrations, <laughs> uh, making sure their makeup straight, crushing one another with colossal expectations, dependent, undisciplined, sleeping late. You know, like he has such an incredible romanticism with his lyrics. So many of the lyrics are about like partying, kissing, <laughs> like the way he talks about kissing is amazing is that like. Oh, there's there's one, I can't remember what song it is, but she was a really cool kisser and she wasn't all that much of a Christian. She was a damn good dancer, but that wasn't, uh, but she wasn't all that great of a girlfriend. And like, there's a lot of like Catholic guilt in a lot of what he does, yeah. you know? Yeah. For and sure. this is definitely a brilliant album to just sit down with the lyric sheet and just be totally amazed by these incredible lyrics and the way that he delivers them and um you know and the band played screaming for vengeance and we agreed this world is mostly manacled it started ice cream social nice it ended up all white and ecumenical who gets ecumenical into a song that's pretty cool right you know like um there's some beautiful beautiful lines charlemagne so charlemagne's one of the characters who uh, appears lots of times it's Gideon, Charlemagne, Gideon and Holly. And the song First Night, which is like the first ballad of the of the album, mm. is track five. Yeah. Oh my God, it's such a good song. And there's this amazing bit. Charlemagne pulls street corner scams. Gideon's got a pipe made from a Pringles can. Holly's insatiable. She still looks incredible, but she don't like that. But she don't look like that same girl we met on that first night. She was golden with bar light and beer. On that first night, she slept like she'd never been scared. 
And then last night she said words alone never could save us. And then last night she cried and she told us about Jesus. Holly's inconsolable, unhinged and controlled because we can't get as high as we got on that first night. That's cool. <laughs> like my hair, like the hairs on every part of my body are just standing on end, just reading that in that shit way that I just did. <laughs> you know, like I, 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 I love this band and the interplay between Craig, the guitar and the keys is really what makes this record stunning. I'm sorry. I've gone on a lot. I was going to say, so they play over here. How, whereabouts did they play? Off Biggest the top show. of my head, the last venue they played in London, I think was Coco. So Coco holds 1400, 1400 people. Okay. So they're not massive, which is weird because, uh, in 2006, this came out. I mean, this has been critically lauded. Yep this record yep pitchfork's fifth best album of 2006 pitchfork yep. yeah who hate everything <laughs> yeah um yahoo music ranked it as the ninth best album of the year mm-hmm. what that mean um <laughs> rolling stone put chill out 10 as the 33rd best in their top 100 songs it was number 33 right. of the year chill so, out 10 oh, i think that's much better songs on this record but but yeah fine yeah um, they're all they're all brilliant to yeah. be honest there's and no bad songs album. when you look at the reviews for it i mean literally Five out of five in the Guardian, um, eight out of ten in the NME. It's got nine point four in Pitchfork. It's got five uh, four in, in Rolling Stone. It feels like everyone loved it. I feel like everyone who knows them loves them. Well, actually, okay. There's one thing that might stop people from getting into it, and what I will say, Craig Finn's Craig Finn has a very unique vocal style. Sounds a little bit like Ernie from Sesame Street, which I think can be quite Marmite esque. So I can imagine there will be people who listen to it who are just put off by his vocal style. Because really, mm, I, I, I thought he had a sort of the kind of drawl that I like from this type of music. I, I love it. Yeah, I, I, like I love it. it. But I, I think surely you'd agree it's quite a unique. Oh vocal. yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely different. In the in the manner that Bob Dylan is quite a unique vocalist. Yeah. Um and I can I can understand why that could either make people love it or hate it. But um but other than that, yeah, I don't really understand why you would dislike this record. I mean, this is like the best rock and roll record released in the last 20 and years. The fact that it came out in 2006 yeah. when, you yeah. know, that was what, a few, couple of years before Gaslight Anthem was happening or a yeah. year before Gaslight Anthem uh, was Probably, yeah, roughly. Yeah. Around that time, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. And, so, and this is their third album as well. I mean, you know, the, the, the other crazy thing, they formed in 2003 and then they released their debut in 2004, second album 2005 and this third album 2006. Wow. You know, and, and all three of those records are fucking brilliant. They are the three best. I mean, I do think this is probably their best, right. but I would say the first four records are all worth your time. They're all fantastic. Well, I mean, I can't even speculate why this didn't blow up to be an absolutely massive thing. I yeah. can't even begin to speculate. Um, but, I'm so glad you like it. But all I know is it is very, 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 very good. Um, and it brings... So that's Boys and Girls in America with a hold steady. Great shout, mate. And I, I have listened to that band before, but and I thought, you know, I thought you say that album I listened to before it was good. It's not but bad. It's just not it's it's just it's just in my opinion, that is the worst hold steady album. Yeah, 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 um yeah. but uh but no, like they they've never done anything that is quote unquote bad. Um it's just it's just this one is 
I mean, this one's quite a lot better, isn't it? Yeah, I, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, loads yeah. better. Um, which is funny because it's been a pretty good week for music, and so <laughs> hence why we're ending on now. Renfrey, last week we spoke about Real Big Fish, and you gave me Real Big Fish, and yeah. I thought you can't just give me Real Big Fish and expect me to just take that. I mean, the amount of shit that you have given me over this whole trade-off period. <laughs> like, I, I owed you a record which I didn't think you would like. I mean, I think that Real Big Fish record has some merits. Um, I know you don't. Um, I don't know. But, you know, it felt like you were due one. Uh, so why yeah. you have to retaliate in such a cruel way, <laughs> I don't really know. I gave you cooler by Collapsed Lung. Now, for those of you who remember Collapsed Lung, you've probably just gone, ha, ah, straight away. <laughs> um, but those of you who don't, let me fill you in a little bit. Collapsed Lung are a Harlow-based Britpop group. Sort of rap rock, Britpop. Do you know uh, what I came up with for them? Brithop. Brithop. They're yeah, Brithop, aren't they? Thing, yeah, yeah. Um, formed in 1992. This is their second album. It's called Cooler. Came out in 1996. Um, if you are familiar with them in any way whatsoever, you will probably be familiar with uh, the song Eat My Goal, which was um, on a Coca-Cola advert. Uh, it was on a Coca-Cola advert. Um, it was also uh, featured on LMA Manager 2001, the computer game. It was featured on SMTV Live with Ant and Deck and Cat Dealey. And it was also featured in the 2009 radio series, Mark Steele's in Town. <laughs> so it was uh, it's a pretty I, big roll call for, for that. <laughs> it also feels like, I mean, you know, I think I, I've professed on this podcast that I'm not a big football fan, but it, it is regularly, I don't know if it still is, but regularly like used at football games and so on and so forth. Not so much anymore. Okay, but it certainly used to be. It used it? to be, yeah. 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 Uh, the, the version you can hear on Cooler is the Euro 96 remix. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so a um, little bit more context. Uh, my first ever festival that I went to was Reading 1996. Fucking one of the greatest weekends of my life. I loved it. That first day, I saw a main stage lineup. I think I've said it about a billion times before. The Prodigy, Rage Against the Machine, Offspring, Terrorvision, Weezer, Ice T, Butthole Surfers, Downset. The bill opened with Seaweed. But in between Seaweed and Downset were meant to be Dog Eat Dog. Oh. But Dog Eat Dog were given the, uh, the option to either, they said, you can't play two festivals in the UK two weeks running. You either go and play Donington with Kiss, Reformed Kiss and Aussie and Sepultura and Biohazard and the like, and Corn and Tyler Negative, or you play Reading with Rage Against Machine and The Prodigy. And Dog Eat Dog decided that they would play at Donington, hmm. right? Which meant there was a gap in the bill mm. for some sort of rap rock band <laughs> to step into. <laughs> Hence, after Seaweed vacated the stage, we got collapsed lung mm. could have had sensor or man break no <laughs> <laughs> no 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 not the fucking coca-cola cola advert ones so they obviously eat my goal you'd think they'd save it to the end they played it halfway through the set oh. silly move that um 
they had a big the DJ was a big fat bloke in a Sunderland puffer jacket <laughs> if anyone knows what's just happened with the football team I support you'll know I've got no time for Sunderland right now so uh, he, he got a load of people ch- chanting you fat bastard at him he didn't like that very much Right. they played eat my goal everyone sort of left they went off stage downset came on I mean Downset looked look like Radiance Machine compared to <laughs> Collapse Lung. So you have no idea what Radiance Machine looked like compared to Collapse Lung <laughs> when Radiance Machine actually did come on later. Um, but I watched uh, Collapse Lung with a kind of uh, youthful, just dewy-eyed, just cannot believe I'm here about to watch Offspring and Radiance Machine and The Prodigy. Mm-hmm. So stood on the front. And even though it was pretty rubbish i still think i jumped around and tried to have as good a time mm-hmm. as possible because mm-hmm. i was like mm-hmm. here i am at reading and it's mm-hmm. the second live band i've ever seen yeah. um and then about a month later when i started college in andover uh there was an r price and i saw the album cooler sitting there on the shelf you didn't pay money for this and i you? opened up you know you used to like they used to have the 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 sleeves of cds behind the counter yeah so you'd have the thing and you could look in the booklet but there was no actual yeah, cd yeah, yeah, in, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, case yeah, yeah. i opened up the case and the cd was in there even our price didn't want this cd <laughs> and i didn't want to pay for it so i just took it oh <laughs> steve so i i just i stole it I unbelievable stole, i stole the cd and i thought great i've got this i've got you know i didn't have a lot of money back then i was bloody you know, portion of chips a day for me, mate. I was at college. I, you know, I was poor, but I wanted. To, I was obsessed with getting my CD, so I did. I nicked it. Sorry, collapse lung. I owe you thirteen ninety nine. I mean, if you're gonna steal a record, <laughs> yeah, exactly. This one. Um, uh, and um, you know, they obviously, obviously, our price didn't want it, but um, and they got home and put it on. And um, I mean, it's funny. We were doing a, a writer's review about Uncle, and you said they were dated recently. Fucking hell. <laughs> Hanging with Mr. Take, Cooper has aged better than I it. take everything back, I said. If, oh, Fucking, God, yeah. Mr. Blobby's aged better than this, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, no, so, Mr. Blobby is fucking class. <laughs> so, Renfrey, um, yeah. they've got the beats to make your lung, lungs collapse. <laughs> the beef flaps for the ladies and the chaps. What do you think? That is that lyric, is it? Holy yeah. shit. So, okay, there are... These days, there are very few bands, if you look up their, you know, if you say uh, so-and-so band lyrics, that you won't be able to find lyrics for. I was desperately trying to find lyrics for this band because I couldn't quite believe I was hearing so much of what I was hearing. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, the beat flaps for the lady and the chaps. I swear on one song, I heard no mash to heat up your beans. Probably. uh, which Which sounds like Vanilla Ice meets Coronation Street. But worse. Um, this record to me sounds like Damon Alburn rapping over Incubus jamming with Moby and I I personally think that all three of those elements have merit on their own I know you're not a big Incubus fan but you know for another time yeah but no one wants to hear those three things together and those three things together creates this unholy mess of <laughs> shit um i mean when it when i pressed oh. play on it there was a certain nostalgic oh, it's stock- got a big beat hasn't it there was a nostalgic stockholm syndrome oh 90s nostalgia mm. thing um to say you know 
it would be far too OTT to say I was enjoying it, but I but I enjoyed the oh if I close my eyes, it's the nineties again. Yeah. I mean, I'm listening to a shit band from the nineties, but mm. it is the nineties again. Hooray. Um, it didn't last that long because my God, it's long. It's long. It's long. <laughs> it's long. Long old album. Um, I don't know how long it is. It's 13 tracks. It's long. Must be over an hour. It's well over an hour. It's like an hour and 10 minutes. Oh, fucking Christ. I well, one of the Omega on it is like seven, seven minutes and long. Half minutes long. I know. It's what are you doing? Fucking boring as well. That scent. That's basically it. Not, nothing happens in it. No. It's seven minutes long. Um, Belinda Butcher from My Bloody Valentine is on this record mm. twice. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was did the time Renfrey. Did Cooler have like naked pics of her that they were threatening to send to the Sun if she didn't I, appear on their record? I have no idea. <laughs> like, why is a member of My Bloody Valentine on this? And she is by a billion million miles the best thing about it. Mm. When she came in, I was like, thank fuck, I don't have to listen to that fucking cockney oik bargain basement westward like talk about baked beans and flaps <laughs> oh you like carter usm doing it <laughs> what the, that's the funny thing isn't it this is this is a funny thing because carter usm actually came up on the um fans also like on spotify i'll go back to spotify in a minute with this band um and actually when i saw that i was like i sort of see what they mean but carter usm is good and yeah. like another band that they sort of reminded me of who i do have a massive soft spot for is is terrorvision there was a terrorvision-esque mm. element to what collapse long are really doing quite cartoony yeah but so they kind of reminded me of stuff that i do like but you know both of those bands are very dated even though i like them but it just uh, it just done terribly in a terrible terrible way there's a cover of elastica's oh, connection can we, can, we, yeah, can we please talk about that oh uh, well yeah i, I, I mean about to. this yeah the cover of connection right is a warning from the past to, for those who to, don't know this song it's the trigger happy tv theme yeah and it came out in 1995 yeah so it been a year right it was i think it was out as a single 1994 right okay but yeah, so it's like two years, it's right? two years. And this is a warning to anyone who tries to cover a popular song of the time and update it like a couple of years after it come out. This is like Radio 1 Live Lounge oh, at its absolute worst, isn't it? You beautiful. only get like fucking Lamar doing The Darkness or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, and, and at the, the end of it, like, I mean, it's, it's awful. It's badly produced. It sounds really mm. rubbish. Yeah. Um, it lacks the kind of cool. It doesn't make it any heavier. And then at the end, they just do this like fucking Muppets, like oh. over the top. What are you doing? It's crap. It's, really, it's fucking awful. It's really bad. Um, um, and so and as, as well, I mean, like, I mean, it's aged badly in a lot of ways. But London Tonight is mm. a bit where he goes and make me non-existent, like trip hop. It's like, oh <laughs> yeah, it's like. Mate, Massive Attack just sold out two nights at the O2. Like, <laughs> you're supporting 70s 
Spencer at the garage. And and like all like all the music cuts out at that point as well. Like they make a big thing of that. Yeah. And it's like that's like a diss on yeah. this record. Uh I just found the whole thing beguiling. Um, um the two people behind this band um got together and kind of uh uh formed over a shared love of funk and the Amiga Tracker software. I, I'm not even sure what the Amiga Tracker software is, but anyone, any two people who come <laughs> together and form a, a band over Amiga, to me, is just like, no. Is that true? I didn't know Apparently, that. yeah. Oh, wow. from, I mean, it's it. from Wiki, but yeah. yeah. Um, um, also, now, this is dodgy. Right. First song, London Tonight, which, do you know what? I'm just going <laughs> to come out and say, I listened to some of this, and because I listened to it so much in the 90s, there are a few songs in it that I have a kind of nostalgic like for. London Tonight, I quite like. Lungs Collapse is fucking hilarious. Um, board- is that the second track? Yeah. That- we got the beats to make your lungs collapse. <laughs> <laughs> we got the rhymes to make your lungs collapse. The beat flaps for the ladies and the chaps. I mean, it's worse than, I think it's possibly worse than Clawfinger. The beat um, flaps for the lady and the chaps. What are you fucking on about? There's one, TV is life, Elvis. Uh, I don't mind. And um, uh, there's one called Codename Omega, which goes, which talks about Arnie and then going, yeah, goes, Schwarzenegger. Like, like Richard Harrison. And there used to be a wine merchant in my village, Overton, called Richard Mallison's. And we used to walk past it and go, like Richard Mallison's. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that we found quite funny. But I mean, yeah, most of it is rubbish. And Eat My Girl has obviously been played a lot and it is like ha 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 eat my girl ha yeah, ha ha yeah. um, but London Tonight which is probably the most it's probably the best song on it in terms of actual composition it's the first track right it's the first track it's a bit dodgy okay because I mean this wasn't cool then two mm-hmm. white blokes mm-hmm. to be using a very popular African American slur in the I lyrics. have to say I didn't notice that well, it is in there. Oh, right. Oh, dear. And that's that. That's not even aged badly. That uh. was a bad idea. I remember getting this and hearing it on the day I heard it. And I was like, you can't say that, mate. Mm. Mm. Right. So I've got a bit of a... It's not even... It's not all fun and games, this Renfrew. <laughs> it's not. It's well, actually, very little of it's fun. And yeah. None of it's games, I would say. Well, board, there's a song, it's just another board game. Oh, that's true, it, actually. Which yeah. is about rising house prices in is the it? capital. Yes. Oh, okay. So, good. That's, that's, see, that's aged well. What a great. Well, we yeah, it has. About that last yeah, week. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, uh, they reformed in 2014, have been playing shows ever since. Lord only knows what they look like now. Oh, my God. I, so, <laughs> they've reformed twice. I know. They're actually on the... So, I'm going to see Bring Me Your Eyes in at all points east in a couple of weeks. Right. Um, so, I can't go to this, but Sensor are playing upstairs at the garage, supported by Collapsed Lung. And That's all right. I'll go, mate. You have to go and no, see I'm that. No, not going. What? No, you have to. Well, <laughs> or you're going to see Venom Prison instead, are you? <laughs> Pussy. Um, <laughs> You've you got to go. Um but the funny thing is, this is what UK hip hop used to be like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? This is UK. I mean, I've mugged off, not mugged off, but I've been kind of lukewarm to a lot of modern hip hop. But fuck me, if it's Stormzy or this. Yeah. Like, we've yeah. come a long way, yeah. to be fair, yeah. the UK in terms of actual hip hop. Definitely. So, um, yeah, this album's bad, isn't it? I think it's astonishing that 
the fact that this band have reformed not just once but twice um they reformed once in 2010 for a year <laughs> then they fucked off again and um they reformed most recently in 2014 um and they are still together and they've been together for five years since since 2014 obviously maths which is longer than they were together initially they were only together for four years in the first place and no one cared about them then no one cared about them then and in 27 years they have been a band for 10 of those 27 years and no one gives a fuck. They released an album <laughs> in 2018, I think. Did they? Oh, I have to listen to that. Well, oh, I'm curious. But at the same time, I'm not. They re- But they released an album since this one. So they now have three records rather than this is the second one. Uh, but yes, there was a, there was a, actually an album released in 2018 or 2017, something mm. like that. I mean, the thing about it as well is, it was, you know, to kind of close up on this, doing an advert for Coca-Cola back in 1996 if you were a alternative band was not the done thing no you shouldn't have been selling, doing that. selling out to the man S- selling the fuck out like and they would send it to bloody everything so yeah. you know they're a bit of a obviously they're a joke band i gave it to you because i thought hey i thought it'd be funny the idea of you listening to it i thought it was quite funny and um i just think that it's interesting that no one goes away go away collapse lung you have to go <laughs> You weren't really wanted in the first place. You have to go. Uh, yeah, I echo those sentiments. Yeah. I think they're fucking awful. Um, but anyway, there you go. Collapse Lung, uh, cooler. Of all the albums we've talked about this week, probably the last one that you should check out. Definitely, definitely the last um, one. Although I'm sure people will be curious to check it out. Yeah, after just that, listen but... to the, the B flaps for the ladies in the chat. Oh. Uh, so, um, Renfrey, next week, um, you got anything for me? Yes, but you go first. Well, I am actually, because I started, this got me thinking about UK hip hop um, and its journey. And I know you haven't really listened to a great deal of hip hop, really, have you, over the years? But I thought I'd pick somebody from this country who was quite big, but maybe not give you something that obvious. So you're aware of the streets, no doubt. Yes. Have you listened to original pirate material? Is that the first album? That's the first album. I have technically, but it's been a have long time. Have you listened time. to A Grand Don't Come For Free, the second album? They're the two uh, main ones, aren't they? The when two. did A Grand Come Out For Free? Uh, it was around 2004? Oh, probably not then. The one with Dry Your Eyes, Mate, and all mm, that on it. Too, yeah, but, no, yeah. I'm going to go with no. Okay, well, that's fine, because I'm not giving you that anyway. Um, <laughs> those are the two critically lauded ones. Right. But I'm interested in what you think about the hardest way to make an easy living. Okay. By the streets. When did that come out? 2006. Right. That okay. was straight after uh, the um, the kind of the glory period for the streets. Okay. So I think it's an interesting record. That's what okay. I'm going to say. Okay. Okay. I am going to give you. Are you familiar with Tellison? I know the name. Yeah. Okay, but you've not heard any not records. Really, I don't think so. I'm going to take a risk here and I'm going to give you Hope Fading Nightly by Tellison. Cool. So I'm going to get Tellison, Hope Fading Nightly. Renfrey will get the streets, the hardest way to make an easy living. And we will be back next week. Next week, we're going to be talking about Alison Chains at Wembley Arena. We're both going to see that. And I'm going to be going to, oh, we're both going to be going to Slam Dunk. Yep. Get our skanking shoes on. Are Real Big Fish playing that? They're not, are they? I don't think they are this year. Less than Jake are. 
Well, lots of good bands are, so I probably yeah. won't be watching. Them I don't anyway. think either of us will be seeing less than Jake. No. Um, so anyway, we'll be talking about that, and we'll be talking about some other albums as well. As per, um, go to musicism.net, put right in the checkout in capitals to get twenty five percent off your courses for singers, songwriters, guitarists, producers, um, and uh, generally cool generally people. Better, being better. Yeah. And we'll see you next week. Simets. Bye.